Good evening. Good night. Indeed. This is uh, you, you're with Jarrell Monroe Bay, and we have here a scholar, a beautiful brother. The name is Frederick Jones L. How you doing, my brother? Peace. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Right, I'm well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I mean, yes, yes. So yeah. So, how you been doing? I mean, how's life at this current time? I mean, life is good. Mm -hmm. Life is decent. Mm -hmm. I'm living life. I'm working on a new a new album. Mm -hmm. Thirteen songs deep. So I've been doing that. Um, studying, uh, doing research, mm -hmm. right? Like how us more to do, mm -hmm. so. And traveling, right? I just recently got back from Virginia Beach. I was involved in an event there. The, uh, the event didn't turn out the way that I thought that it would. Mm -hmm. And then the person throwing it was just, was totally lame in my opinion, but that's a, but that's a whole, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, I'm living life. I'm living life more, and I'm loving life, loving people, keeping it honest, and just calling the spade a spade and calling people out for who and what they are. You see what I'm saying? So, right. right. Yeah. So I see you've been doing music lately, mm -hmm. and uh, you have an album currently coming out. Mm -hmm. And tell us about the album. Yeah, yeah. So, so I have an album that I just released to iTunes called Jewel of the West Nile. Okay. Uh, it right. was released September the 4th, 2020, so pretty recent. Mm -hmm. uh, seven songs deep. I called the Jewel of the West Nile because the Mississippi River by the ancients mm -hmm. and by the scholars was referred to as the West Nile. Mm. And I think that our science and our teachings is a jewel. Mm -hmm. So being that we're in the West or we're in Northwest and Southwest Africa, what people call America or what the common individual knows mm -hmm. as America today is Northwest Africa. So I just said, all right, well, the Mississippi was once called the West now and we're in the West and, I'm, and our people are the jewels of the West or the jewels of God. So I'm gonna call it Jewel of the West Nile. So, so that so, so that's where I got the name from. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. That's peace. That's peace. You know, I think that um, putting on music is a very positive thing mm -hmm. for uh, the uplifting of fallen humanity. And uh, I honestly believe that you're an MC. Um, tell us about the songs that you have on the album that inspires you the most yeah true facts so my favorite song on the album is probably the song called live and let die mm -hmm. and we know live and let die just means live your life and let go of things that just don't matter mm -hmm. but live and let die I, the beat is just it's just out of here and then what i'm talking about i'm talking about smoking some good, good, good homegrown 
Um, I'm calling myself someone that's high brass and in a in a religious establishment. I'm mm-hmm. calling myself potentate mm-hmm. and a pontificate. Um, I'm talking about this life that we live and us just just winning against all odds. So that's probably my favorite song. It's called Live and Let Die. Another song that I like is called Solar Facts, where I'm mm-hmm. just screaming on the track. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about how some of our women are irresponsible and don't teach the, the babies anything. Um, mm-hmm. And how we need to get right. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I'm talking about on that song. Uh, there's a song called Son of Man, and we know who the history calls Jesus the Christ was called Son of Man, meaning that he was a redeemer amongst men, mm-hmm. right? Coming to raise our people up from from a dead level to a living perpendicular. Mm-hmm. So, so these are the things that that I like the most about the album. So, yeah. Me personally, I enjoy the album. I enjoy every song. It's great, probably. Album. Um, I'm a fan of yours. Yeah. Um, I think that, just like you said, you're you're a pure MC at the core. Um, and to be an MC, you know, certain qualifications. You know, everybody's not an MC in my in my book. Mm-hmm. But um, what inspired you? to make the album mm-hmm. well I'm inspired by everyday life current events just things I deal with every day things I read on social media the conversations I have with close friends and uh, just people in everyday life um, of course, the music that I grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, which would be like artists from the late 80s, early 90s, like like Akuji Rap, um, the DOC, Kumo D, Kane, mm-hmm. Cool C, um, Slick Rick the Ruler. And then, of course, you start getting into the early 90s, like like Dice Effects, Black Moon, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, the Nas, the IMD. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, just a lot of influences, Eazy-E, NWA. So just just hip hop music or rap music period has has been my, my, uh, my blueprint, so to speak. But I wanted to carve my own niche and I wanted to stick out. I wanted people to know that I'm conscious. I'm 100% conscious. I'm not a I'm not a gangster rapper. Mm-hmm. I'm not a gang banger. I'm not a gang member. I'm not somebody coming in to demonstrate uh, perversion. I'm not somebody that wants to 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 dumb down the vibration. So, but I'm a fan of hip hop. I love hip hop. All hip hop, whether it's gangster rap, whether it's hardcore, whether it's conscious, I love it all. But but when I watched my influences, I, I knew that I had to be original. So I was coming original. I'm coming Moorish every time. First album, second album, third album. I'm coming Moorish and, and, and that's how I'm doing the shit, you see? 
That's peace, brother. That's peace. Um, what are you looking to be honest? Which I, you know, I want to add. You know, to be honest, uh, what are you looking to gain from this album? As far as like uh, units, uh, sales, <laughs> yeah. uh, people paying attention. I'm just curious to know. Truly. Because every artist wants someone or wants people to listen. Facts. Lots of people to listen to what they have put out to the to the public. Facts. I just want to know what are you looking for in your Well 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 I wanna be diamond. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Which is 10 million. <laughs> and I don't think anybody out there doesn't want to be that who's in who's, who's in this uh, game. So, of course, I want to be all the way successful. But I want people to, to be interested. I want people to like the music. I want, I want people to inquire about who the Moors are. What, the, what do the Moors represent? What are they about? I want them to to really, really do the knowledge to it, so that they can know that we're more than just than just uh, smoking mirrors or mm-hmm. or showmanship. It's deeper than that. So, so I seek to gain uh, fellowship with people, finance, obviously, because uh, I want to recoup all of the bread that I spent. But <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Brother, I see that you did the Young Pharaoh debate. How do you think that debate came out? And how do you think that you did in the debate? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so here's, so, here's, so here's how that debate came about. The debate between myself and Young Pharaoh, which if I'm not mistaken, took place on 21 December 2019. So the way that it came about was I was I was at home in my domicile, a good brother uh, who I'm good friends with had sent me a text message, which was a link to a video that Young Farrell did where he was not only talking trash about the Moors and slandering, but he was calling us out. So after I seen it, I was like, wow, I have to reach out to Farrell. I have to. If I don't, I'm a coward. Or I'm not really in more science like that. Because if, if anytime you can watch some of what he puts out there when he's attacking Moors and not feeling no way about it, you don't hold this science near and dear to your heart. So when I seen what he did, I reached out to him and the rest is history. But um, you see, but to answer what you were saying, yeah, Farrell was, was talking reckless about it. So I reached out to him. He reached back. And we got it on, but um, but yeah, but how I think I fared in, in the debate, I think, I think my demonstration was superior. I think Farrell did an excellent job, but I think I stood. I think I represented the Moors very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shouted different grand bodies of the Moors Science Temple out, different Moors groups. I gave different groups acknowledgments. 
I was even in, like I even showed a Pharaoh um, some love or camaraderie. You see, I wasn't in opposition to him. I, I told him that we love him. I told him that we share conditions. I told him that, that I didn't even have my feds knocked off by the police, maybe not in those words, but I let him know that we are, that we are in the line of fire too. The Moors is on the front line. So we ain't different because we reject the black tag. So this is what I was essentially saying to him. But anyway, I think that my demonstration was superior. I think that I did great. I think I put on for the Moors. I think the people knew, knew and, and understood finally where we was coming from when we, when we reject the black tag. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me personally, I enjoyed the debate. Um, I can't speak for others, but I enjoyed it. Um, do you think that in the future that you would do another uh, debate with Farrell? Very good question, because a young Farrell follower who, who shares barbers with me, a young Farrell follower, uh, him and myself have the same barber, and he asked me that very thing. And I will be open to, to doing a recap of our original debate or doing a debate on a totally different topic altogether. But it all depends on Young Pharaoh, and I haven't reached out to him to see if that's something that we could possibly do. But I'll be open to it, definitely. But this t this go around, it would have to be more geared to teaching and uplifting fallen humanity, and not just being at each other's throats. Not saying that the first go around we we wasn't teaching because we was, but this is about educating the people. And raising them up from out of their degraded state, and not necessarily so much about me or him or or what can I get? What have you done for me lately? And I'm trying to get a bag, even though we're even though we're all after the bag, right? Because it takes finances <laughs> to uplift the nation. But this, but this, this, this should be about the people primarily. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, um. I seen that she was on Sinetta with Brother Roy Bay. Mm -hmm. uh, could you tell us about your experience uh, traveling to uh, Harlem? Uh, they call it the Black. They used to call it the Black Renaissance. Facts. Back in the day, uh, and going on a, a, a huge platform for, from a conscious community perspective as uh, Sinetta. Uh, could you tell us about that? Facts. So, when I went on Sarnetta TV with Roy Bay, I went on there with the understanding that it would be my interview. It would be an exclusive for me, speaking of my debate with Young Pharaoh and how it came about and what grand body of the Moore Science Temple of America are men and, and other things. But... Once Roy Bay got involved, it turned into something else. Being that Roy Bay was the point of contact between myself and Sinetta, he was the one that I had to reach out to. Mm -hmm. He was kind of like, if, if we was comparing it to hip hop, Roy Bay was kind of like the henchman or like the go-between. Mm -hmm. The guy that you got to check in with, the guy that, you know, when it comes to Moors, if, if it ain't through him, then you ain't seeing Sinetta. So I kind of had to involve him. So 
from what I understood, it was supposed to be an exclusive for me, but it didn't turn out to be that way. And and uh, Roy Bay was involved, and he was giving his portion, which I was all right with, because I was thinking in my mind, like, I wouldn't even be on here if it wasn't for him. Mm. So I had to take the bad with the good, even though I didn't like the fact that it wasn't what I thought it would be in my mind, which is me and Sinetta, and talking about who I am, what I do, my music projects, mm-hmm. and the debate, and then that's it. But it kind of it kind of took a, a course of its own. It kind of had a mind of its own. And then it went where it went. You know what I mean? And as you can see, um, now, you know, our people are showing regret for a lot of things. <laughs> so... Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I want to say, first of all, it was, you know, I- I'm pretty sure it was an honor to be on Sarnetta, uh because he's one of the biggest, uh, you know, conscious platforms there is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, is one of the reasons why I got into the consciousness and woke up. Uh... I want to ask you: um, Do you look? Do you look forward to being on any other platforms in the future? Like mm-hmm. uh, maybe not Shinetta per se, but uh, Fly Gods Radio. Uh, what is going on with that? Talk about that. Let's you know. Yeah. I, I haven't seen you on that platform in a while. True indeed. Very, uh, very, very good question. Legitimate question. I do look forward to being on other platforms. I want to make uh, more science mainstream and not just hidden or, I guess, restricted to the so-called conscious community. So, um, and of course, I'm not the first, but I'm sure that there have been others where this has been their position. And they started out first in the hood, interacting with the hood, and then at some point, who knows what happened. But uh, yeah, but but my objective is is to reach other platforms. Like I would love to go on Vlad. Um, I would love to go on the Breakfast Club. I would love to go on Zach TV. Um, I would love to go on um, a platform like an Instagram model, maybe like Cherokee Diaz. <laughs> and share and, sh- and, sh- and share some music so but yeah I would definitely would like to reach out branch out and um, you know explore greater horizons but that's easier said than done there's a lot of opposition out there so yeah. you know I think that you are the most active more one of the most active mores out there and uh, you, to me, I think you inspire a lot of uh, unconscious Asiatics coming up, trying to learn uh, the history and who we are. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, as far as, you know, what is your goals going forward in the future? Uh, what do you see yourself a year from now? Um, so where do I see myself? Uh, good question. Great question. Um, I see myself a year from now or years down the line. 
still doing Moorish music, very Moorish, or music with a Moorish spin on it. Um, still living the life, right? S still living the lessons of the illustrious uh, Prophet Noble Drali, uh, traveling the highways and the byways, right? Because the, the divine minister's papers say the highways and the hedges. So that's where we're supposed to be at anyway. So, so living the life, uh, having the internet present still, because a lot of more say, oh, you know, we ain't internet more. Listen, we're living in a time now where where most of what you do has to deal with mm -hmm. the internet and smartphones. That's just mm -hmm. the society that, that we live in now. So if you don't have an internet presence or online presence, you ain't nowhere. Right. You pay your bills on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, now with this whole COVID thing, most things are done through Skype. So if you don't have a smartphone, mm -hmm. how you living, right? Mm -hmm. So so to still have an internet presence. Again, uh, teaching the babies, teaching the multitudes, uh, doing good music, Moorish music still. Mm -hmm. And just representing and just going wherever this life takes me. Sometimes you don't know. But what I do know is that I'm going to rep it how I rep it. And mm. to answer some, um, a portion of a question that you raised too uh, about the Fly Guys show or the Fly Guys podcast. So I just recently did something with them when I was down Virginia Beach. We did a show called The Indian Problem. And we did part three of The Indian Problem rather where we talked about. Uh, so-called American Indians mm -hmm. who are marginalizing our people, so-called black people. So we did three parts of that. And in particular, we focused on the Muscogee Creek Nation of Oklahoma and the Pamunkey Nation of Virginia. We specifically singled out those two tribes and just focused on some of their practices that aren't, I guess, um, friendly to our people, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? They're, they're practicing segregation on us, marginalizing us. So they're doing things to disenfranchise us. I think that's the word mm -hmm. I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so, uh, so we did a show about that. And we also wanted to point out the fact that there are so-called black members of these tribes. It's a mm -hmm. fact. And... A lot of these people, most of them can trace their lineage all the way back to the uh, Civil War era of time. And many of their ancestors wound up as members of these tribes because uh, they were f freedmen and they went into Indian territory and they was accepted. Mm -hmm. Some were slaves of the tribes and some were never slaves. All right, and was always on the land free. So therefore, they are not freedmen, but they weren't slaves of the tribe. So you had all kinds of things going on. So we pointed that out. And we also pointed out the fact that uh, the Creek Freedmen, for example, right? So this mm -hmm. is the Muscogee Creek Nation story out of Oklahoma. The Creek Freedmen are suing the Muscogee Creek Nation uh, for deprivation of rights, if I'm saying that right. For deprivation for violating their civilian rights, constitutional rights. I think they sued them pursuant to Title 42 USC Section 1983, if I'm not mistaken. But mm. uh, but they're suing them for constitutional torts, viol violating Article 6 of the Constitution, which says that the Constitution and the treaties is the supreme law of the land. 
and for violating the Treaty of 1866 between the Creek Nation and the U.S. government, which in that treaty it says that the Creek freedmen have standing. Mm. And the tribe trying to disenfranchise them is a violation mm. of the Constitution and that particular treaty. So, mm. so this is some of the things that we pointed out. And we also pointed out the fact that so-called black members of the Cherokee and the Seminoles out of Florida, if I'm not mistaken, sued their respective tribes on similar grounds and was found to be credible. So this story out of Oklahoma about the Creek Nation and the Creek Freedmen is, is not an anomaly. All right. This is happening all over the country. So this is uh, so these are some of the things that we were uh, uh, speaking about there, brother. And, and, and basically what I wanted to get out on the show, too, is that is that our people are not a monolith. Mm. We are just as diverse as every other group. And I think people have a tendency to kind of box us all in. Oh, those are the blacks. And that's just simply not the case. All over this planet, we have different cultures. Mm. We all don't see things the same. We all don't demonstrate the same. We all don't identify the same. So these members of the uh, Muscogee Creek Nation aren't just some fly-by-night, you know, pretending to be Native American because they want the benefit. These people have been getting mail from the tribe and have been members of the tribe for years. And then a new tribal government came and now they want to do something different. So, so this is what we was discussing on the show. So, yeah. Uh, so that's the Fly Guys podcast. And I would love to do something else with them. And I also told them, too, that I'm about solutions and I'm a boots on the ground kind of guy. So if y'all need me to come and put in some work on the ground, whatever that may be, uh, 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 doing a coat drive, a clothes drive, uh, helping them out in the church, because they are Christians, you know what I mean? But I'll assist them. You see what I'm saying? I ain't practicing segregation. And, you know, uh, a coat drive, a clothes drive, feed the homeless. Mm -hmm. You want me to paint? Like, I get down. Mm -hmm. And I'm about the work, too, and not just about talking on the Internet. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the problem that some people have with more is they ain't seeing us enough. You know what I mean? But I come down and get some paint on my fez and then just go get another one. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? So that's how I'm giving it up. So, um, you know, so that's that with the whole Fly Guys podcast. And, um, so yeah, brother, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's what it's all about. Um, it's all about unity. And uh, a lot of times, you know, we tend to distance ourselves uh, from the other, from, from the rest of our people, mm -hmm. you know, because we may have a different uh, belief system. Uh, talk about the Tahaka Bay <laughs> <laughs> um, situation, because I, I seen that she was on his show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a warm-up to Young Pharaoh and you, something happened, and you did a response video to Taharka. Yeah, tr truly. So, so the whole Taharka base situation was, um, so like I mentioned the whole Young Farrell story, how he did a video, he was slandering, and he was taking shots at the Moors, ETC, mm -hmm. and calling us out. So I reached out, me and Farrell talked, we set the debate up. So I thought it was a good idea to reach out to, to, to Harker Bay so we could do a pre-debate show. And of course, the Harker Bay thought it was a good idea, but 
aside from that, I've been trying to get onto Harkabee's platform. So, so when I was speaking with him, I'm like, this is the perfect time now. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, well, you know, you got to make a donation to my temple. And I was all right with that. Like, I didn't think that that was flagrant. He's calling it a donation. And then he, um, the numbers wasn't high. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He wasn't saying, you, he, the amount he was asking for, it wasn't too much. So I knew in his heart, it was something for the temple and not, and not something for his pocket. You see what I'm saying? You kind of have an idea when somebody is is asking you for something because they wanted to go in their pocket versus when it's for the temple. So he was true to his reasoning for why he wanted a donation from me. So I cash at them ASAP and we set it up and the business was good in the beginning. But then I noticed how in opposition he was to me during the first show and uh, just really in opposition. So when he didn't live up to everything that he said that we were going to discuss on the show, like my music projects, um, you know, more about who I am and what I do in the community. Like, I didn't really get a chance to, to go into that. So he said that we would do a part two. So when part two came, he wasn't on time. Mm. I mean, like, he was really, like, you know, like, he was all the way there. Like, like, mm. like I could see... 10, 15, 20 minutes behind, but he was all the way late, and I think he was doing that on purpose so he could run into the time mm -hmm. of when me and Farrell's debate would be. So I had gripes with that, so we had a back and forth, and he just cut our live off in the middle of it. And I think he was asking me something. He was asking me something like, um, I think he was asking me on our live, on his show, why I'm treating him like this, something like that, right? So, right, right? So he was asking me something like, why I'm treating him like that, or something to that effect. So I was like, hold on, brother. And I think I was asking him, like, do you think that I'm doing that? Or, or something like, do you think that I would do that to you? And then he cut the live off. But I think he was upset because I had the whole microphone mm -hmm. and I had the green screen behind me because when I, because soon as I, um, soon as I logged in and then he brought me in and he was looking, because the first go round, I didn't have all of that. I was just doing it from the phone. Mm -hmm. So when he seen the setup, he wasn't feeling that. So so they, so he was hating on me from the beginning. I'm gonna just keep it honest. He was hating on me, and um, just being Taharka Bay, just being a mischief maker, because that's what he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, however, mm -hmm. if he, he was next to me right now, or if, or if him and I was out on the highways and the hedges. Uh, moving together, moving around together, traveling. I wouldn't let nobody do nothing to him. Mm -hmm. So he's still a more. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like we family, mm -hmm. but we just don't get along. And, and all families don't get along. You know what I mean? Facts. It's tribal war and, okay. and disputes. Facts. You see what I'm saying? But I don't love Taharka Bay any different. And I wouldn't let nobody bother with him. But hey, you know, that's Taharka. You know what you're going to do. I just keep it moving. Right. So, have, have you spoke to him? Consistent? No, I have not. And after the live that he cut off in the middle, and then he refunded my finance through Cash App, I'm not sure if I mentioned mm -hmm. that. He did a show during mm -hmm. me and Young Farrell's debate, and then did one after. How treacherous is that, man? <laughs> so you yeah. doing a show during my debate yeah. with Farrell, and you're taking away from Moors who will potentially watch and support. Mm -hmm. That's demonic, brother. And then I think he did a recap after mm -hmm. if I'm saying that right so it's three shows it's the one with me and him mm -hmm. and then our part two he 
he cut it in the middle and deleted it. Mm. Then he did a show during and after. So it's three about me. And then I did a recap with Cujo. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, me and Roy Bay went on Sinetter, which which that was supposed mm -hmm. to be my exclusive with Sinetter, like I mentioned. But it wound up being me and Roy Bay. Yeah. And it kind of looked like yeah. me and Roy Bay huddled up yeah. to talk about Sinetter and Lord Abba. But, but what, all the stuff that Roy Bay mentioned about them, I didn't know nothing about that. Okay. It kind of caught me by surprise. Okay. But but being that he bought it up, I had to be honest about how I felt about the both of them. Mm. But that's not something that we planned to do. I didn't even plan to speak on, on Lord Abba or uh, Taharka Bay. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying, G-O-D? But, but uh, when Roy Bay bought it up, it was just like, wow. Mm. And I kind of wish he didn't go that route. Uh, shouts to Roy Bay. But he did, and it just wound up being what it wound up being. But I wanted to strictly keep it on this mm -hmm. on who I am, what I am, what I represent, my music, what I do in the community, and a foul debate, and just me and Sinetta. But as you know, it went the other way. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, but to answer the question, I haven't talked with with uh, Tahaka Bay, and um, yeah, so yeah, um, just like I said before, I uh, actually enjoyed. The um, Sarnetta uh, interview. Uh, yeah. Uh, about Sarnetta, have you spoke to him uh, recently, or have you spoke to him since then? Yeah. Well, here's how that's been going. I've been messaging him on on social media, trying to get a hold of him, so that we can do a real sit down, do a proper sit down. And I even told him that I don't want something for nothing. Only a Negro wants something for nothing. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So tell me what your digit is. Tell me what you need from me. And it better be reasonable. Mm -hmm. It better not be something outlandish, right? Mm -hmm. And he don't ever reach back. And see, this is where Roy Bay come in at. Because I was trying to get a hold of Sinet of the first go around and I couldn't. So Roy Bay told it to me like this. And I'm paraphrasing. But he said, Sinetta is is only dealing with or talking with Morris than me. So that's how he got involved in the first place. Mm. Right? So mm. so when I reached out to Roy Bay for the second go around, I told Roy Bay, listen, this go around, this is just me. Mm -hmm. All right? I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Me and Sinetta, we're going to do a deal. I'm going to mm -hmm. give him finance and we're we doing it like that. Because I think sometimes when somebody's doing something for you and you ain't giving them something or doing something for them, I think they kind of look at it like, well, you're going to get whatever I give type mm. shit. You see right. what I'm saying? Right. But when they're compensated, I think that levels the playing field. And then you mm -hmm. kind of have more say-so. So I think mm -hmm. if I dangle the carrot in front of Sinetta, mm -hmm. he going to let me <laughs> navigate how I want to. So, um, but yeah. So I reached out to Roy Bay again. Right? right. Uh, for the second go-round. Right. And explained to him everything that I just right. um, shared with you. And his claim is that he can't get a hold of Sinetta. Mm. And I don't know why I didn't suggest to him to go to, well, you got to go to Sinetta's house. Because I just thought of that uh, yesterday evening. But right. but apparently Sinetta's not, not not being responsive. He's not answering the phone. He's not returning Ray based text messages. So that's where we are with it now. But I would love to yeah. to go on uh, Sinetta TV again and, and get it right, you see. So, right. Yeah. I believe he has a number. He has a telephone number. Right. 
Well, this is the number that Roy Bay is saying he is not working right now, or, or Sinetter's not answering the phone, something uh, to that effect. Okay. okay. So this is what Roy Bay is saying. Okay, so. I just thought it was via uh, uh, yeah. social media. Yeah. Um, so okay, I should have told Ray Bay you got to go to his house, but but yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, maybe I'll bring it up to him. Right. So. Right. Right. And they're both beautiful brothers. Yeah, true. Uh, both beautiful brothers. So um, looking looking forward, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going forward, uh, what is your uh, plans for mm-hmm. the next? album because i know you have uh some more projects coming out yeah facts man i have album number three coming i'm shooting for january okay 2021 okay we're already towards the end of september so and it's and it's 13 songs i have on this project so we'll see uh it's, it's looking like january but we'll see but the name of the of the album is called Occultus Solus Invictus. And um, mm-hmm. and you and I was kind of going over some of this, but I think that that was an appropriate name. Mm-hmm. And simply what that means is the hidden sun is invincible or the hidden soul, sun is soul mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the light within mm-hmm. is invincible, mm-hmm. untouchable. Mm-hmm. So that's what Occultus Solus Invictus means. Occultus means hidden, solus means sun, Invictus means invincible or undefeatable mm. so that hidden light is un- is untouchable so that's mm. so that's the message that I'm trying to send with the name of the project and it's very Moorish the album artwork is dope front mm. cover back mm. cover mm. and I'm just I'm repping it I'm holding it down you know what I mean so mm. yeah are you like yeah. and, and are you recording it now or yeah I'm in the process, in the process? Yeah. well I act well, here's what I was doing. I actually has had songs already, like in a vault. Okay. But I decided to record some new songs and then okay. kind of see if I could put them together. Okay. Or just do all new songs. I'm not sure yet. Okay. But I have music already. But but I decided to to uh, do some new music and see okay. how and just see how it goes. So. Okay. Got you. So yeah. I got you. I got you. Um, it would be nice to see you on a song. With a legend like yeah. someone like Nas <laughs> yeah. or AZ or something of that nature, so yeah. you know, I think that the song really will be good. I think that you can uh, match up with them. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, song for song, you know. Yeah, that's uh, dope, man. On a feature, so I would love to see that uh, someday. Um, I would love to see that. Yeah, man, I wouldn't mind being on the track with. Um, the brothers that you named, those brothers are legendary, man. And um, I think they kind of raised the bar mm-hmm. for a long time in hip hop. They made you say, damn, mm-hmm. I got it. Damn, did you hear that? Mm-hmm. I can't come like this. Mm-hmm. Like they like raised the bar <laughs> literally. So, um, yeah, man, I would love if that was a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of think the game or the industry rather is just so oversaturated mm. I'm sure they probably get solicited all the time on all kinds of things so I would just be another needle in the haystack you see what I'm saying if I mm. was to attempt that but it would be nice uh, and it would be dope and it probably would a feature like that obviously would benefit me more than it would benefit them so now we will be talking finance involved 
Yeah. And um, that, of course, because why would they do something that would benefit me for nothing? Not saying that they aren't them caliber brothers, right? But I, but they do a lot of charity cases, so to speak. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they probably do a lot of stuff for people just on the strength. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. who knows if it's if it could possibly be a reality? But it's nice to think about. Mm -hmm. uh, that's for certain. But I mean, regardless of whom and what, I'm pushing how I'm pushing through. Mm -hmm. And I want to have uh, good music. I want to put a good product out there. And I think when I compare the second album to the first one, you see a big difference. And I think, I think what you're seeing is, see the first out, the first project, right? Mm -hmm. The first series of songs that I did, I did that in a studio studio where you call up you schedule your block time mm -hmm. and uh, there's an engineer there who, who don't know you never seen you before ain't friendly so you uh, so you're not really comfortable mm -hmm. in there mm -hmm. and this is when uh, um, and this is when I lived in Houston Texas I did it at this I did a, a good portion of the, of the songs on the first project at a mm -hmm. studio called the vault mm -hmm. all right so and no knock on them but they was just doing business and it, it, right, it wasn't right, right. Per, it wasn't right. a personal connection and I think that affects a, a um, a project versus this go around the engineer that I use mm -hmm. uh, a good brother by the name of Charles Chill I, I recorded in his house but we built a, a personal relationship like we sit we talk mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying we um, mm -hmm. you see we we uh, drink cognac <laughs> you know I mean? we talk right so there's uh, so there's a a a um, there's a a brotherhood, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like we hold parliament uh, together. So that right there mm -hmm. kind of eases things and it mm -hmm. kind of makes you more comfortable. And then we take more time on things versus mm -hmm. when you in the studio, you paying for block time. Mm -hmm. If you ain't done everything in that time, then, you know, they're like, sure. see you later. Right. But with this personal friend of mine, it's kind of like I do what I want. Right. And I think that uh, that's what you hear in the second project that you don't hear in the first project. It's, you could tell that it was nurtured, yeah. that we took our time with it, and, and he engineered it to perfection. And so, yeah. and on this third album, this is uh, this is the direction that we're going to go into. Same, yeah. same, same format, so to speak. Same ingredients, and I'll probably never do. A studio studio again unless I could take him with me and say I don't want that engineer I want to put him right there mm. and I think a lot of studios are like that today now like you book the time and if you don't got an engineer then you ain't then you ain't um mm. then you ain't recorded from what I understand I think a lot of studios are like that versus before the block time came with an engineer mm. and, uh, and sometimes those engineers are Dickheads, part of my right, language. Right, right. If we got to edit that out, then we'll edit. But uh, like dickheads. So I'd rather have my own guy in there. I mean, they'd be like, "Ah, oh, he messed up again. Hurry up." Yeah. You see, you see what I'm saying? So, right, right, right. So it's that right. old shit. So right. Yeah. Um, and that's very important. The engineer is just as important as the MC because yeah. nothing can get done without him. That's a fact. You know. Uh, and shout outs to your engineer too. Uh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the good brother Charles, 
So yeah, shout outs to Charles. Um, what is your favorite song on the the new album currently that you have out? All right, so the new album currently, which I think I mentioned, I think my favorite song on this, on the one that I just released on September the fourth, twenty twenty, is a song called Live and Let Die. Like just the samples that I use from the movie The Matrix is dope. The track is dope. Mm -hmm. So for the third album, for this new album, I got a song called Knights of Malta. Mm -hmm. And just the beat for that, just mm -hmm. the sample. And it's a track by this producer. His name is... Um, this producer's name is Othello, Othello Beats. And uh, there's another producer, his name escapes me at the moment, but his samples, man, like he'll take, like he'll take an 80s pop or R&B hit and then sample some of the voice, but put drum patterns around it. And it's just dope. Mm. And it's... And it's the mood that I want to um, share with the people for the album. Like, and this is the mood that I'm in. Like, soon as I heard his, some of his production, mm -hmm. I knew it. I'm like, I'm like, this is the mood right here, and this is what I want to share. So, um, and I'm trying to figure out what is this producer's name. His name escapes me at the moment. It's not Othello. Well, I do have Othello beats for some songs, but majority of the songs is uh, oh. I think his name is Mo. Okay. Mo or something like that. So So you have like a whole team. And then it's another okay. producer and then it's another okay. producer. His name is So Special. So So Special, Mo and and Othello Beats. So Okay. So I mean, well, I don't want to say that they're my team because they they sell so many beats to people via the internet. So I found out about them just being online looking for beats and um and i just kind of like what they do so mm -hmm. so they're not my team my team but this but it's these collection of guys who i'm decided to i guess um lease or do a track out uh with you see what i'm saying so yeah yeah because othello he a beast yeah. he is a beast with them beats man He's like, you know, some of my favorites was like Shot Money XL and all of them. Facts. Um, so, so we got the music thing going on. Uh, when COVID ends, would you, do you look forward to maybe doing some shows or <laughs> getting booked? Because what if somebody comes to you? Of course you're going to take it in. I'm pretty sure yeah, somebody come to you and say, you know, do facts. some shows. You know, you can be a prima, pre, you know, to someone. Uh, yeah, an MC. Facts to um, someone. Man, I would love to do shows. It's all about the performance. Mm -hmm. And um, originally in hip hop in the '80s, when they would make tapes or vinyl, they were from live performances. I mean, even the studio itself is a live performance. But when they would make tapes, it was of live performances. 
right? So the live performance is is the art. Without that, you don't have a record, right? So, mm-hmm. so I would love to do it. I think though, I think what people aren't ready to accept, or I think what's a hard pill to swallow for some is is the crown, man. It's the feds. I think people see that and they just <laughs> it's just too much for them. So, I mean, I would love to do it, but am I willing to compromise? Meaning not wear a fez. So, you know, who knows? Because I'm sure some venues, mm-hmm. I already know it's going to be a promoter or somebody that's going to be like, yo, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but as long as you're wearing some kind of refinement, yeah. a turban, yeah. uh, a ring, yeah. a pendant, yeah. some yeah. symbolism is is good. So, I was yeah. talking to this Middle Eastern brother. He said that he wanted to make the Fed a style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know that Nick Cannon has the turban. He's kind of like the grandma turban, the granny one. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it ain't a real turban. <laughs> and we ain't mad at Nick Cannon. We don't hate Nick. But, Shout out to Nick. <laughs> but, uh, Nick Cannon needs to put a real turban on. Me, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, from a uh, you know, a personal perspective, um, not to dive too much into um, your personal. Do you have any children? No family. Um, yeah. No children. A good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, no children as of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to, to I guess, become a family man because that's my purpose, right? As far as the family structure goes, you know, I think the ultimate objective or the end game is, is to be a faithful member of society, right? Like the prophet said, the prophet said in the Holy Quran of the Moor Science Temple of America, Circle 7, divinely prepared by the noble prophet Drew Ali, which says many things, but um, in this particular case, he said, take unto thyself a wife and become a faithful member of society, right? So so naturally, that's where I want to wound up, right? In a union, having a wife, whether we're legally married or whether she is my, uh, what they used to call years ago, common law wife, and having a family. I mean, your family is your government. The family was the first government, right? So you see what I'm saying? And your household. So that's so... So yeah, someday, um, it ain't happening today. You see what I'm saying? But someday, I would like to find myself in that situation, a good situation, not just any situation. And I think mm-hmm. that's where some brothers get trapped up at. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? They get into these situations or these unions, and it ain't right from the start, but they try to make it into something mm-hmm. that it just was never meant to be. And then before you know it, it's baby mama after baby mama. And families are broken because they wasn't meant to be to be taken to the next level. Mm. So I'm really serious about who I decide to plant my seed in. Mm. Right? And vice versa, same thing for the sisters. You knew the brother wasn't didn't want to be with you from the beginning. You see what I'm saying? You knew he wasn't husband material from the beginning. So yeah, so that's that with that. But um, again, to answer the question. Definitely, at some point, I do see myself there, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah. Allah knows best. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. 
Absolutely, man. It's always a beautiful thing to have. Uh, speaking about uh, legal situations, all that good stuff, uh, talk about Moors in court. Um, I'm hearing a lot. Pseudo, <laughs> are they pseudo? Are they not pseudo? Have you been in court uh, before? Has it worked? If, if so, has it worked? Wow. Um, a lot of Moors in court. A lot of things going on, civil court, criminal court, on a state level, on a federal level. I don't know if any more is going to the United States Supreme Court, right? Because you have, you have, like we'll take New Jersey, for example, since I domicile in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. New Jersey has what they call municipal court, which in many states that would be known as as small claims court mm -hmm. right so so New Jersey has a municipal court then there's the superior court of New Jersey which is where they hear indictable offenses or like serious offenses so the superior court has a criminal and a civil division then there's the New Jersey court of appeals which is the next level then there's the New Jersey state supreme court and then from there, it's either the United States Supreme Court after the New Jersey Superior Court, and then there's the federal court. So the federal court is kind of in between the United States Supreme Court and the state Supreme Court. Okay. So the federal court is kind of in between that level. Mm -hmm. And um, every state doesn't have a Supreme Court in it. Mm -hmm. Like these Supreme Courts are regional, like they have districts. So New Jersey is a part of what's called the Third Circuit. So the mm -hmm. Third Circuit is all of New Jersey, all of Delaware, and Eastern Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. if I'm saying that properly. So they're like regional or districts. But even though, even though in Philadelphia, they have a district court here, mm -hmm. it's called the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, New Jersey. It's just the district of New Jersey. Then there's Delaware, but they, but they belong to the Third Circuit. So that's how they're divided up. Anyway, so to answer more of the question, mm -hmm. some things that Moors are doing in court is pseudo, mm -hmm. and some things are 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 actual factual. You know, some things are true science. Like for example, like I'll give you an example of what's pseudo. Um, Moore's going into court with these documents and just thinking that the documents on his face is going to be the end of your problems <laughs> and that's just not the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Most of the time you're going to have to go in there and talk. The uh, presiding judge wants to know usually if you're what those documents say because mm. they know uh, a lot of people can't defend what's on the documents. And with those documents, you're putting a demand on them. So they want to see if you're worthy. They ain't going to tell you that. So I think it's pseudo when, when some moors are telling people, all you got to do is file this paperwork and then, then your problem's over. No, no, no. Your problems are just beginning. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like in the movies, you know how the villain says, this is, this is only the beginning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so I think that's pseudo. But I think what's... 
real, actual, factual, is when Moors can go in and they know legalese, uh, they know the procedure, they know how to stand, they know how to draft up documents beyond just what's on RV Bay publications. And they're negotiators too, because lawyers are negotiators, judges are negotiators. So a lot of times they'll deal with a situation or handle something without it even being a trial because they're negotiating. So I think when you know how to do that is when you get results. And um, I have been in court uh, in the state, uh, well, in different states, Texas, California, but I haven't been able to stand like confidently and, and, and really know what I was doing until I started dealing with it here in New Jersey. And um, so I've been in the New Jersey Municipal Court. I've been in New Jersey Superior Court, civil division, not criminal. And I've had a case in the federal court system. And I've been, for the most part, victorious. Yeah. So, uh, like, for example, in, in the year 2016, if I'm saying it right, I got into a situation with a Delaware Riverport Authority uh, police individual, right? Mm-hmm. And I was charged with four things. I was charged with obstruction of administration of law, defiant trespasser, mm-hmm. resisting arrest, mm-hmm. and disorderly conduct, if I'm mm-hmm. saying right. Mm-hmm. So let me run down them again. Defiant trespasser, resisting arrest, obstruction of administration of law. And I want to say the fourth one is disorderly persons, but all of the charges I named, the court sees them as disorderly persons offenses. So the fourth one, I'm, I don't really remember. I, I want to say that disorderly conduct is a charge, right? But so I had four charges on one complaint and I was able to beat three of the four in municipal court standing on documents that I got from Taj and RV Bay. I was standing and the judge wasn't going for it and we tussled it back and forth until finally the judge, I noticed she was talking to me in code language. She would say things like, go and see the prosecutor. So what she was meaning from what I gather was you ain't getting out of here with nothing <laughs> but we ain't gonna give you everything right, right. so the light bulb went off right, right. and then when she was t- right. and then she was saying things to me like uh, well we're not ready to hear the case today so come back and see me next month <laughs> you know what I mean so when she was do- right. so when she was doing that enough that told me right. that she acknowledges the fact that I got leverage yeah but she has leverage too. So we gotta right, meet halfway. Right, because right. she's the judge. So she can right. postpone it until the cows come on. Right. But she knew that my documents was that work. So I got smart. So what wound up happening was they decided to dismiss three of the four charges if I copped them one. And I did that, paid the fine, no county jail time. That's good. That's good. And um, those kind of offenses only kind of jail time if you would do jail time because most of those are just uh, fines made payable right or just 
fines that don't require jail time. I mean, excuse me, offenses that don't require jail time, you could just pay a fine. But those that do, it's just county time and not state time, which is where the New Jersey Superior Court comes in at. That's the court for for indictable offenses. Municipal court is non-indictable offenses. So meaning so meaning misdemeanors. See, New Jersey calls misdemeanors non-indictable offenses and they call felonies indictable offenses. So New Jersey is unique um, in that aspect. So yeah, but uh, so let me give you some background on the case. Mm-hmm. So I was placed into custody under arrest Mm-hmm. by Delaware River Port Authority Police Patrolman Kevin McClintock. This was in the year 2016. Mm-hmm. So him and I had a dispute one rainy evening in February, I believe. I was coming back from the law library at Rutgers University mm-hmm. to Camden Campus. And I was in the terminal waiting uh, for my lady friend to come grab me. And apparently before I had got there, he had made everybody exit the facility mm-hmm. During business hours, mind you, while he called an ambulance for somebody that was having chest pain. Mm-hmm. So I learned that after the fact. Mm-hmm. But so he comes up on me and says, you have to get out of the terminal. So I said, get out of the terminal for what? Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I'm clearing this out. Everybody needs to get out. Yeah. Right. So he's like, um, you know, he's like, I'm clearing this out uh, because everybody needs to get out. Because I'm calling an ambulance uh, for this individual, right? So I tell him, you can't do that. You cannot do that. It's business hours. And your your actions aren't something that the situation warrants. You can only clear out a facility during business hours if... If people's lives are in danger, if there's a safety issue, you you clearing it out because somebody is having chest pain and you're calling an ambulance for them. That's abuse of powers. This is what I was essentially saying to him. And I was like, and it's raining outside and I got this sport jacket on. I'm not going out there with that. I don't have an umbrella. And then the bus shelters that's outside. It's all kind of hobos and drug users and people sitting. It's dirty in there. I'm not going out there. You go out there. This is how I was talking to him, but only because of how he was. So one thing leads to another. We get into a physical altercation. I get slammed on the ground. You know, I had a a right orbital contusion. Mm -hmm. I had to go to the hospital and get medical treatment that night. And then I wound up with the charges that I told you about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Resisting arrest. Obstruction of administration of law, defiant trespasser, and disorderly conduct. All right, so that's the third time I'm laying these charges out. So hopefully I got it right on the third round. All right, so this, so that's the backstory. And then, and then I was in court with this for 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 some months, man. We was going back and forth. The judge put a warrant out. I get the warrant cleared. And this is something that they was doing. They would schedule me. Like, send me a notice to appear. Then when I would get there, the judge would say that they weren't hearing the case today. And I was in front of uh, Judge Montanez, who sits the bench in the New Jersey Municipal Court uh, in Camden. I was in front of Judge Baltimore. I was in front of Judge Tucker. And I was in front of Judge uh, Kristen McCrank. Mm. You see? So... 
and they and they was just bouncing it around. But one of the things that they was doing mm-hmm. was they would set a notice, and they would schedule me. And then when I would get to court on that yeah. date, then they wouldn't hear it on that right. date. Right. Would, and then they would send. Sometimes they would send a notice, and it'd be back to back, like like the seventeenth and eighteenth. Right, right. So they was doing that. So, yeah. and I just got weary at some point along the way. And then one of the dates I didn't come, and then they put a warrant out. That's how they was getting it in. Put a warrant out when you don't come. When you do come, we we not hearing it. Mm. So this is the psychological games. And Moors got to be ready for that. And I think some Moors did. Some Moors get weary when they dealing with that. So, so that's the backstory behind that situation. Now, my federal court case, which is related to the situation that got me these charges. Right. Uh, so I sued mm-hmm. the Delaware River Port Authority Corporation, mm-hmm. the Delaware River Port Authority Police Department, mm-hmm. and Patrolman McClintock. I sued them in federal civil court. And my case was what's known as a Title 42 claim, meaning I was suing them pursuant to Title 42 USC Section 1983. So for those that, that don't know, the USC is the United States Codes of Laws. Mm. So Title 42 just talks about if your constitutional rights are violated, mm-hmm. anything in the Constitution. So I think I was standing on the Fourth Amendment, mm. the the 14th Amendment, which mm-hmm. says that everybody has equal protections of the laws. And a lot of that is codified in the USCs. So I found a section of the USCs. So I sued them pursuant to Title 42. And then I was off to the races in federal court. And my case was before a Magistrate Judge Karen M. Williams. Mm-hmm. And the Delaware River Port Authority, they hired a law firm called Marshall Goggin and Dehenny out of Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. A high-powered law firm. But let me back up. Sure. Before my case actually got to the point of a Rule 16 conference, you know, which is what the federal court calls a pretrial hearing or one of the various preliminary hearings. And it's called a Rule 16 conference because the hearings are pursuant to Rule 16 in the FRCP. So the FRCP is the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, right? Mm-hmm. So, gosh, this is just so much. But anyway... Yeah. So before I even got to the stage of of having a Rule 16 conference hearing in federal court, yeah. my first complaint, like I had judicial officers named as defendants, which you can have them named as defendants, but my problem was I was suing them for monetary damages. Right, right. You can't sue judges, state's attorneys, and other judicial officers for monetary damages, you can only you can only sue them for injunctive relief mm. or declarative relief. Mm. So that was what my error was. Mm-hmm. So the judge was like, "This is wrong." However, I'm going to allow you to bring it back. Not these wasn't his exact words, but um, like in the language of law that he used, he dismissed my original complaint without prejudice. So what that means is that you can bring it back if you fix all that's wrong with it. Mm. You know what I mean? So I sent him a letter uh, acknowledging the fact that I made mistakes and I apologized to the court and then I, and then I was back at it again. So sometimes you got to show some humility because you ain't always right. Sometimes you get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So I wanted the judge to know I'm not one of these guys that think that I'm always right. I'm wrong sometimes, brother. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I right. brought it back and 
So the first complaint, like I never had a day in court. It was just yeah. documents flying back and forth. Yeah. So when I refiled, I finally got my day in court mm -hmm. and it was in front of Magistrate Judge Karen M. Williams. And I was uh, across the, the table from the law firm and they was cool with me. I think the, the lawyer that was showing up in court representing Marshall Goggin and the Henny, I think, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but he was fair. Uh, he was diplomatic. We spoke. <laughs> Him and I did, uh, we did, uh, we did uh, something called interrogatory. And then we did, we did some other pre-trial documents that he emailed to me. And I forget the name of it. And um, so we talked and it was great. And then uh, him and the judge had a off the record conference of what they call a quorum. I had to get out the courtroom and then the judge made him get out Then me and the judge did it. And again, the magistrate judge was um, federal magistrate judge Karen M. Williams. And so what she did was she, she, she said that I presented enough evidence to take it further and that we would have a trial, but both sides can can sit down and negotiate. And that's what we wound up doing. And I got a settlement. So we settled. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and you know, to me, that was a victory. That was really good. Yeah. And it, you, you see, so that was my federal court experience related to the situation that got me right. the four charges. So, so yeah, brother, man, Moore's being court battling. Yeah. And many people have a tendency to think that we just talk on the internet. And that's not to say you don't have Moore's that's all internet. But you have Moors that's really out here demonstrating the things that they say on the internet and that will really get in front of that judge and be like, listen, shorty, not in those exact words, but but just having the courage to live out the things that they say. A lot of Moors are the message that they bring when it comes to things that are legal uh, in nature. So, yeah, Moors be battling. Um, I'd have been snatched out of court. I'd have been held in contempt. See what I'm saying? I'd have been put in the cage in the back. So, so I didn't dealt with them tests, man. And uh, and this is real, man. We real. We live the life. And anybody out there that wants to see for themselves, you can go look those cases up. Look up Frederick Jones Hill versus the Delaware Riverport Authority. Go to Google. It's a it's documented that I went after them in federal court. And then you can also look up the other various situations that I'd have had with them in the municipal court, right? You know, which is the municipal level. So, some Moors be battling. And some Moors are right as far as them having a leg to stand on. And then some Moors be dead wrong. <laughs> and then they be in court trying to get out of it. Mm -hmm. So you got all kinds of things going on. But the bottom line is that we, that there's opposition to us. They be bothering us. And then you get some more that ain't wearing no refinement at all, but they got the knowledge and they taking the knowledge to be better criminals. And that and that ain't the profit, sadly. So I think the lines get blurred sometimes. I think some people think that, that that's all that we are. Then you get some people that know the difference, you know, between some guys just saying that they more as a name only, but they really Negroes and conduct and behavior. And then they go in court and then they make a mockery of it. And then you get some more that's upright, mm -hmm. living the life, and then they get in court and make a mockery. So hey, you got all kinds of things going on. So yeah. Yeah, um, 
they say that the system is corrupt, right? We know about the system growing up in the inner city. Um, as far as Moors is concerned, or when I say Moors, I mean us as a people, Moors. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that the courts can benefit us some? Do you think that the courts are... What I'm trying to say, brother, is that do you think that the courts can be beneficial to us or could it be detriment to us? Hmm. Very good. Well, well, obviously, the court system has been more of a nuisance and an enemy to us than it has benefited us, right? Mm -hmm. As you already know, man, when we come through the doors, we don't stand a chance a lot of times, even with lawyers, because the lawyers are corrupt. So, yes, brother, I do think that the court system is corrupt but it's man man is flawed you see the prophet said that man is truth and falsehood strangely mixed so that truth is the higher self the falsehood is the murky ethers of the flesh it's the lower self so man is flawed so anything that man touches creates it's, it's, it's going to have some issues some pitfalls so the court system's flawed it's not perfect I don't think it was ever meant to be to be perfect. It more so benefits so-called white people. We know that. You see what I'm saying? Like we've seen that sometimes you get a so-called black man and so-called white man, and they get charged for the same crime, but then the sentence and the punishment is two totally different things. Mm -hmm. So we know that. Um, can it be beneficial? Absolutely. And like we'll take my situation for example. I don't know how much finance the Delaware River Port Authority spent on lawyers, but it had to be a lot because they was willing to negotiate with me for 15000 Like They was willing to get it out of court for that. And that was the digit I was asking for. Now, I didn't get that. you know. The judge had an issue with that digit. But the lawyers was willing to give that up. So I knew that that they wasn't willing to give it up because I because they were saying that I'm that that I was right and it was wrong. They was willing to give it up because it was cheaper than what it would cost them to pay to continue it on. Mm. So I knew that the lawyer fees had to be a lot. So I think the court system can be beneficial to us when we stick it to them, when we sue and we make them spend money. Cause they cause see they gotta spend finance to respond. They have to hire counsel. A sworn policeman can't be his own defense in a venue like a federal court. So they got to hire lawyers. This is why civil complaints go through a filtering process. Right. This is why the judges be trying to stop it before it gets yes, right, right, right. to the point of hearing because he knows whoever the defending party is, especially if it's an entity like the Delaware River Port Authority, they have mm -hmm. to hire representation. So in that sense, it can be beneficial to us if, if you get to the stage where you're making them pay lawyers and you know, making them show up, right? Give their, give their time up, give their finance up. Right. So, but we gotta, we have to stay the course and be steadfast with it because sometimes they think we bluffing. Like, I think the cop thought I was bluffing when I was talking to him and then a few months later, he realized like, oh, yo, these guys is the real deal. Mm. You know what I mean? And they be whispering when we come around like, yo, don't, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing to them. Mm. So it can be beneficial. It can be, but 
it's our responsibility. We got to follow through with it. So, yeah. So you, so have you seen that cop, that highwayman that, um, yes, I have. I have seen him. I have seen him. We did come across each other after the whole court drama in, in state court and federal court. Mm -hmm. And he was nervous, man. Oh, really? You know, like he didn't know if he if he could say something to me or or what. But he was shaking in his boots. But he was nervous after he found out because what I see here's what happens when you file a civil action on somebody. Mm -hmm. The the uh, U.S. Marshals deliver the complaint mm -hmm. to the the address that you give them. So. I know that either he got it directly or one of his superiors got it. When he seen that complaint, I know he was like, oh, man. So he was shook then. Hmm. You know what I mean? So, but I've seen him. Wow. And, and yeah, and sometimes you just need to show them who they messing with. Right, right. See? So. And that's the best way to do. Yeah. Sometimes you can't always go physical. Sometimes you got to go mentally take it to the courts because, you know, that's what the European does. That's what he does. You know. Yeah, he's a master at psychology too, so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, furthermore, going back forth, have you had any run-ins with the law since then? Yes. So, after that, I had a situation with the New Jersey Transit Police uh, down the Jersey Shore. And that case was heard in New Jersey Municipal Court, uh, the Atlantic City office or court, right? Because the New Jersey Municipal Courts is one entity, but then there's different courts all, all over. And that was heard in front of a magistrate judge named Billy J. Moore. Mm -hmm. And I had... I think I had three charges on this one. I had resisting, mm -hmm. defiant trespasser, mm -hmm. and disorderly persons, maybe disorderly conduct. Mm -hmm. And I beat all three of them. Mm -hmm. And I and I have the documents to show it. Mm -hmm. And the strategy that I used was was um, well, I was asking for a jury trial. See, in the state of New Jersey, mm -hmm. municipal court cases, they, New Jersey has case law where some judges decided that you're not entitled to a trial by jury in municipal court unless your fines equal to a certain amount and you're looking at at least a year in the county jail. Mm -hmm. Then you can motion for a jury trial. And the reason they do that is because if they allow every municipal court case um, like if they made every municipal court case a matter uh, heard by a jury, mm -hmm. that would back the docket up. Right. So to keep the docket moving, they said no jury trials unless the case meets this criteria right here. Right. So mine did. So I motioned mm -hmm. for a jury trial. And I think at that time, I don't think the court had the resources to do it because I think if you motion for a jury trial, then they granted it, they would have to transfer it to the superior court, even though it's a mm -hmm. municipal court case. And I just think it was just too involved for the judge, so the judge mm -hmm. dismissed it. And um, so I was asking for a jury trial. That was the strategy that I was using. 
And then I was also, it was another strategy that I was using too. I was also, here was another situation. Mm -hmm. They was trying to make me pay for discovery. Mm. So I was telling the judge that a discovery, that a discovery is an inherent right protected underneath of the Constitution. It's not a fee burden privilege. Mm. So you telling me that I can't get discovery without paying the Atlantic City Police Department is a violation of my right to due process. <laughs> this, this is the shit I was saying. So the judge was like, she didn't say this, but her attitude was like, get get him and this shit out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was her attitude. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So these are the two strategies yeah. that I was using. Mm -hmm. But here's how the judge did it. Mm -hmm. And here's what they'll do. See, they don't want to give you the acknowledgments of of being of you standing on your square. You know, like mm -hmm. they don't want you to know that you stood well. So what they'll do is they'll act like they're dismissing it for another reason. So she kept saying, Well, we're gonna have a trial, I'm gonna schedule you for this date. But every time I would show up, the cop wouldn't come. And without the complaining witness, there's no case. So she got to a point where she just said, um, she was talking with the with the other prosecutor. She's like, why isn't a patrolman? I think this guy's name was Gaska. <laughs> Gaska. I think he was Polish or something. Right. So she's like, why isn't patrolman Gaska here? This is the second time he's not here. I'm going to dismiss this. But they arranged the whole thing like that. It wasn't. It wasn't just he didn't come because when. A sworn New Jersey policeman is, is is subpoenaed. He has to be there. His superiors are going to make sure he's there. But she did it like that as a roundabout way of of saying, yo, I can't deal with you. And you see what I'm saying? So that Wow. So that was a situation that I had here. And the most recent the most recent situation was like I got bit on the leg by a dog. Mm. I called the police so that we can get a police report. Yeah. So they can know what happened. So it's documented before I went to the hospital. So the patrolman that came, he didn't he, he didn't believe that I got bit. And, he you know, he treated me bad. So I filed an internal affairs complaint with the Atlantic City Police Department. And I have this document. And they said that my claims made are sustained, meaning that we found you to be credible. I couldn't believe it. I just knew mm -hmm. I was going to get a letter in the mail saying saying what you're claiming on this on this patrolman of ours is, is unfounded. But they agreed with everything that I was saying. And they said he would be disciplined. They don't tell you how how he's going to be disciplined. But and that was the most recent. And I'm just trying to stay out the way. But believe you me. And believe me when I tell you. I don't be out here looking for trouble. Mm -hmm. But it looks that way. Because Moors be in court a lot. But, more, mm -hmm. but some Moors are bad dudes. But some Moors get bothered too. Like I would say most Moors get bothered. And you have less, more, you know, less dirty ones. But they right. be messing with us. Right. Because, yeah, I always yeah. wonder, what, why are these brothers yeah. in court so much? Why are they running with the law so much? Yeah, man, they <laughs> be know? messing with us. Um, did, now, talk about the treaties. Now, they were saying mm -hmm. that, you know, Moors, conscious Moors, say that, you know, the treaties work and uh is that true to some degree or is so it, how true is that so i'll say this about that it's not about if whether or not the treaties work or the const or if whether or not the constitution works 
It's if you are working or not. Because it's how you are able to defend your position based on what those documents say, the Constitution and the treaties. So those documents are what they are. It's how you're going to stand and keep your position yeah. on them. Yeah. And um, some more get wary along the way. Right. And some are willing to negotiate and compromise, which I'm one. And some more are, are just fighting it all the way through and leave out of the court with nothing. And, I, and that's happened to me before, too, in the case of uh, being in front of a magistrate judge, Billy J. Moore, right. in the Atlantic City Municipal Court. And But it doesn't always happen like that. Some situations, you, the judge ain't letting you get out of there with nothing. So it's, it's all on you. Mm-hmm. And those documents are what they are. And this language in there that you can use to defend your position, know that you can find something in the Constitution and the treaties pertaining to you and whoever else you can find something in there mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and call it to your protection. So, yep. Yeah. Um, now, uh, of course, a conscious more will get on me when I said the treaties. He would say, well, name the treaties. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, ig- I'm just coming into the consciousness yeah. and I'm a little ignorant towards the treaties because mm-hmm. I don't know what treaties are which. And I don't even know where to go at to study the treaties, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say, furthermore, going going back to the courts, mm-hmm. um, how is it, have you, have you been in uh, jail or any of that nature uh, besides... The courtroom jail. I'm talking about right. like, I got you. County jail or yeah, like county, state, or the feds. Yeah. So I never been to the federal penitentiary. Of course, mm-hmm. I never did. Did a uh, a state prison bid. I have mm-hmm. been in the county on multiple occasions, uh, mm-hmm. in the state of Texas, and in the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I've been in county jail. Um. Mm-hmm. Of course, nobody likes to be confined, no matter what kind of confinement mm-hmm. it is, whether it's the courtroom, lockup, mm-hmm. or a cage, rather, because it was a cage mm-hmm. in, in Camden City. It was a cage. In Atlantic City, it was like a, uh, like a cell, you see? So, yeah, so I've been in county lockup. Uh, when they find out that I'm a Moor, it's love. Like, they, mm-hmm. you, know, you see what I'm saying? The Moors get a lot of love. And the, and the Moors got power in jail, but it's the kind of power I don't want. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be telling somebody what to do. And I ain't going to tell you to do something I'm not willing to do. But the Moors are loved. And when I was in, in county jail in Texas, in Harris County Jail, and they found out it was a Moor in the building, it was love. People sending me things, giving me stuff. I'm like, yo, I don't like this. You see what I'm saying? But some brothers would like it. So, wow. And then when I was in the Camden County Jail in New Jersey, um, my stay wasn't that long, so I, so I really didn't have time to kind of, yeah. you see what I'm saying, to kind of get uh, acquainted with everybody. Like, it was so quick. I think I was in there three days, maybe. Like, I didn't even go through the whole seven-day lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I think because New Jersey had bail reform. Mm-hmm. So the bail reform was to reduce mm-hmm. the county jail population. So if, you, so if you wasn't in there for a serious crime, you was you was getting out with yeah. no bail. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't get caught with a with a gun, something serious. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, 
Brother, you've been through some real serious stuff, and it's good to see you doing well now. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of Moors out here, uh, they they talk it, but they never lived it. You know, yeah, you actually lived it. Facts. You know, and you're you're witness up to it. Um, mm -hmm. Going forward, uh, I, I just wanted to say. Do you plan on, because I know you domicile in New Jersey. You know, I love New Jersey. Do you plan on staying in New Jersey uh, in the near future? Or do you plan on uh, branching out to another domicile? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good question. Good question. Well, for one, I didn't even plan on domiciling down the Jersey Shore. Mm-hmm. And the way that that came about is a whole nother conversation in itself. Maybe another time we'll touch on that. Mm -hmm. But I didn't even plan on being down the Jersey Shore. And to answer your question, do I plan on staying in the, the New Jersey State Republic? And the answer to that question is no. I do see myself in the near future uh, venturing out and I guess traveling into another territory. Who knows what the future holds? Sometimes you can have something on your heart and in your mind and it just doesn't unfold that way uh, for you, right? So my plans in the near future is, is to exit uh, New Jersey. But we'll see what happens. Because okay. it doesn't always go as planned, right? So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, have you... As far as the Moors community is concerned, the conscious Moors is concerned, um, have you talked to any one of the brothers or sisters uh, since, because I know it's been a while, since March Remembrance Day, <laughs> what was that, 2018, I believe? Now you're talking about the one where the sister who I met there, who came from the territory where I domiciled, Got into the situation with Taharka Bay. Are you talking about that? <laughs> are, you are you talking about that whole thing? Um, <laughs> um, not really, but to just in general, I just wanted to know uh, where, because I met you actually mm -hmm. the year after. I met you. No, I met you that year. I'm sorry about that. I did. Meet was you. it that one? It was, was that it, year. Was that it was one? that 2018, I believe. Um, have you spoke to any one of the the other Moors that was there? Yes, since then, because I've seen you speaking. Because you was getting mad love when you was, you know, you was there. You know, he was like, "Yo, what's going on?" You know. Yeah. Um, and see, that's the thing with Moors. That's my gripe about Moors is when we come to the functions and the gatherings and get-togethers, it's high fives and chest bumps. But then after the event is over, you you know, for the most part, you don't hear from nobody. You don't see them. Mm -hmm. So I haven't. And um, well, I take that back. After that event, of course, the sister Patricia Bay, you know, her and I domiciled in the same area. So mm -hmm. obviously I would see her. But as far as the other Moors who I talk to on social media and, mm -hmm. and I see at these gatherings, I just... You see what I'm saying? We just don't you uh, um, connect. 
Yeah. And it's just like, what? What, what is something going on? It's, it's, <laughs> so you know, it's a certain type of vibration because you would think that we would network and live the life and and yeah. demonstrate and do things together beyond just the events. So to answer the question, nope, I haven't. I haven't. Um, like I really haven't seen any of the Moors after that event in particular mm. uh, in the flesh. Really? And then, of course, with the COVID, now mm-hmm. you already know things is done via Skype and Zoom mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, yeah, because I was hearing now that since with the COVID thing, people aren't sure yeah. that it's going to be a Morse Remembrance Day. Uh, yeah. Facts. And speaking of Morse American Remembrance, the situation with the sister Patricia Bay in Taharga Bay, mm-hmm. and that was a deep demo. Mm-hmm. If I can remember correctly, I think Taj Tariq Bay and Taharka Bay was doing the interview. They was doing the live. Mm-hmm. And Taj had his folks out in the hallway with him. So I walked, So I was using the restroom and I walked out in the hallway and I seen it. So I went over to Taj and I was like, hey, you see what I'm saying? I acknowledge Taj and we mm-hmm. press hands. <laughs> and then what do I do? I go back into the dining area and I tell Patricia Bay, why did I do that? And then she comes out and she's, and she was attacking Taharka. I mean, not saying that he doesn't deserve the criticism that he gets because he, he rubs people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I think her timing was off. I think she should have waited and then had to sit down with Taharka Bay instead of in the middle of a live because you already know he going to clown. That's what he want to do. So, and it just became a whole, mm-hmm. just a whole debacle. And, um, and that was deep because people were saying to me on the internet, Jones, Jones ill, you can't even control your wife. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? Right. She's not my wife, bro. Right, right, right. See? Right. So, um, yeah. And peace to the sister Patricia Bay. I don't have no ill will feelings towards her. Right, right. But, she, but, she, but brothers had it wrong thinking yeah. that she was my consort. Of any sort, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I've seen that, actually. Yeah. And I visit that video from time to time. Uh, that could have gotten ugly. It could have, brother. You know, that could have gotten ugly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was just watching the video. But, you know, we, we know in this world that when you talk a lot, you know, and you... Yeah. Making, you know, yeah. you know, comments about people and saying this and saying that, you know, and I'm not talking about the brother talker and ge- I'm just saying in general, yeah, in general I got of you. course, you're going to have individuals, male or female, is going to approach you. Yeah, they're going to be at you. Yeah. She was, when she, man, when I told her he was interviewing Todd, she was like, she was like, why are you always on Facebook? You always on the internet. And, um, of course, the Harker Bay was like, the Moorish Nationals is attacking me. <laughs> That's what he was saying in the video. The, Moor, the Moorish Nationals is attacking him. Right. Which, see, that's him being a wise guy because yeah. Patricia Bay don't claim to be a Moorish National. There yeah. are some that say that they're Moorish Nationals, yeah. but yeah. she don't say that. But that was his way of, yeah. of, of I guess, <laughs> bringing home the whole anti-Tods to rebate. Demo. Right, right. And Trish was 
she, yeah. you know, she was she was on and feisty. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, sister, will you calm down? <laughs> you know what I mean? Will you stop this madness? Like I had to get her. Uh, see what I'm saying? So yeah, she was yeah. on. Her. Yeah, I see. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> she said to him, "Are you going to go to court with me?" Then he going to say, "Why would I go to court with you? I don't yeah, even I know, know you." you. <laughs> <laughs> Tarkovich was clowning. Yeah. And I just think mm -hmm. that Trish was, I think, she was passionate and sincere, but I think yeah. she was a, a little out of line. Yeah. And, of course, Tarkovich yeah. didn't have to do it like that. Like this that, is a, yeah. A, yeah. a sister here. She's a woman. Yeah. You know? She's got these babies right yeah. here. She's under a lot of stress. Yeah. So you could have sat her down and and really talked with her. But, but again, he wants to be a wise guy. But Moorish American Remembrance, man, that... That was a memorable one. So yeah, that's probably one of the most memorable <laughs> yeah. I ever I ever seen. I didn't come to the event because uh, yeah. I didn't. You know, I just left. I didn't know too many people. But that's yeah, what well, the after event. The after yeah event. yeah because because yeah. that happened after yeah. the whole the whole uh, Independence Mall yeah walkthrough yeah that was the so. after that was yeah yeah but I don't see the malls man and yeah. it's um yeah it's tragic because yeah. we should be. Lincoln, yeah. and then I just be looking and saying to myself, "Why aren't the Moors in popular culture?" Right. And see, to me, that's a red flag mm -hmm. because it tells me that someone or something is stopping it or preventing it from getting there and just keeping it, just keeping it boxed in. And, and if you notice, whenever somebody takes a leap of faith, there's mm -hmm. always some Moors or Moors saying, "No, don't do that. That ain't the prophet." Mm -hmm. uh, like we'll take mm -hmm. this brother Michael Curry Eel. And I'm name dropping. <laughs> we'll take this brother Michael Curry Ill right. from upstate New York. Okay. And I was telling him how I want to go on Vlad TV. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean not Vlad on Gully TV mm -hmm. out in Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And he was explaining to me how and why it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. It's not a good idea in your eyes. So what's the alternative then? Because mm -hmm. you can't tell your brother not to do something. Mm -hmm. that, that you know his heart is set on without having some kind of contingency plan lined up for him or some kind of other suggestion. He ain't like that. So it just became an argument. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty much saying, you're a clown, man. So you're going to tell me not to do something but then don't have an alternative suggestion or encourage me or say, well, brother, why don't we mm -hmm. do this together? Mm -hmm. See, that's clown business. Mm -hmm. And that tells me that these guys aren't really for the advancement or want to see more be more mainstream they want to they want to bottle you up and stagnate it right, right. so that's an example um shout out to Gully uh, you know I, mean? so. I, I, I think that you deserve to be on a huge platform that's whether it's Gully or whether it's Breakfast Club I would love to see you on Breakfast Club or Vlad I would love to go on those two platforms um, and Gully TV as well definitely would love to go on his platform, right? So again, Gully TV, I would love to go on his platform. Vlad TV, I would love to go on his platform and The Breakfast Club. And speaking of Vlad, you said that you wanted to ask me something relative to uh, his platform, I think? Yeah. Uh, recently, well, not extreme recently, but right. recently, we already know about the whole Nick Cannon situation where yeah. he had a legend on there by the name of Professor Griff. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to dive too much into that, but uh, 
certain a group got upset, angry, people upset, angry, whatever the case may be, and uh, it leaked out. Well, not even leaked out, but people started to look at it. And Vlad was upset at that. Yeah, know, I saw that. Uh, and, you know, and with the, I don't know what the minister maybe said something something like that but this you don't have to dive too much into it mm -hmm. but the whole uh, how can I say I guess Yakub situation <laughs> the, the story some people believe a lot of people unconscious Asiatics and uh, many Europeans believe that Yakub was this myth right and you know, we know that uh, they deal with genetic things all the time, making mm -hmm. different, you know, things all the time in the laboratory. We know this. Talk about that. You don't have to dive too much into it, but yeah. can you just enlighten us a little bit with the Yakub sister? Uh, sure, thing? sure. Yeah. Sure. So we'll go into that. But before I go into that, let me say this relative to what Vlad was speaking on on his platform with D.L. Hewley, I think that's who was being interviewed. Mm -hmm. And they was discussing the whole uh, Yakub, the big head scientist story, mm -hmm. right? That's in the Supreme Wisdom Lessons and Actual Facts. Let me say that because that's, that's where that story originates. Mm -hmm. um, so, Send the Supreme Wisdom Lessons and Actual Facts, authored in the year 1934. Mm -hmm. by Master Far Muhammad and the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, correct? Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, so they put that together together. All right? Um, so, this, so Vlad was, of course, referring to an interview that was done by Nick Cannon, and he was interviewing Professor Griff. Mm -hmm. And Nick Cannon misspoke. And he was he was reference he was Nick Cannon was referencing the supreme wisdom, which I think he should have just quoted mm -hmm. um, the supreme wisdom instead of putting it in his own words, which made it look like mm -hmm. those were his thoughts, right. saying that so-called white people are less compassionate because they have less melanin. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. Instead, he should have just quoted uh, the messenger mm -hmm. and Master Far Muhammad in the conversation with Professor Griff and he should have stated how he think how valid he thinks he thinks those teachings are mm -hmm. based on how he sees the so-called white man demonstrate. <laughs> and I think that's essentially what Nick Cannon was trying to convey, but it just didn't come across that way. And then you already know the haters used it as an opportunity to to do what they already want to do to us. Right? You know, like these European so-called white Jews. And, and of course, Nick Cannon had a whole conversation or interview with one, and then they they took his they took some things from him, right? As far as uh, his platform goes, and what do I think of the Yaku story? Um, so before I get to that again, so let me just touch on this too. I think Nick Cannon should have just let Professor Griff talk, and I think Professor Griff should have stopped him when he seen where he was going. Mm. Especially somebody like Nick Cannon. Mm. You see what I'm mm. saying? Because now that's that's one less platform that you have to go on now. Mm. So mm. I think 
the brother, Professor Griff, should have stopped him. I think Nick Cannon should have just let Professor Griff talk. Mm -hmm. And again, I think Nick Cannon should have been a lot more wise with his words. Mm -hmm. Because if he had to put it on the messenger of Master Far Muhammad, people already know their track record. <laughs> so it wouldn't have sounded right. so out there. Mm -hmm. But by Nick trying to put it in his own words, it was just bad all the way around. So now as far as the Yakub story, where Yakub, the big head scientist, took some years to make devil. Is it 600 years? Is that what it says? Uh, yes, it, right? it was 600 years. 600 years. You know, according, it, to the, according to yeah, um, Elijah Muhammad. Right, right. So according to the story, and then he would create a devil that would rule us for 6,000 for 6, years. So let me just yeah. touch on that. Without getting into specifics of the Yakub story, we do know that the European so-called white man is not an original man. Mm -hmm. The original man is the Asiatic so-called black man, right? That's been proven in science. Right. Right? Right. The first man is a so-called black man. Right. So we know that the European so-called white man had to come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. it, he is a genetic mutation of some sort, whether mm -hmm. uh, just naturally, whether by natural selection or whether being tampered with by man, but we know that he's not original. Mm -hmm. And we do know to this day, genetic experiments are being done in laboratories and man has always done that. And we don't need to have that documented in some book from from UPenn. Because I think this is what people are looking for. Show me, show me a scholarly work saying that. We don't need that. Because we could look at, because we know the nature of man. And man has always experimented, always will be experimenting. So the Yakub story has validity. The, the European so-called white man is a genetic mutation. Again, whether by natural selection or whether by being grafted by somebody. So I'm gonna say that those teachings are all wise, right, and exact. And, and Vlad and others are just in denial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, now you have certain Moors that believes in the Yakub story. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a little different from what Elijah Muhammad brought and, and uh, you know, or the messenger brought and, and, and you know, Master Rod brought basically, you know, particularly uh, Todd Grand Sheik, Master Grand Sheik, says that... Uh, <laughs> Elder Master Teacher Todd yeah, Street is right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He says that Yakub Uh, he made the European in you know the Euro Yucatan. Oh yeah, was, that's uh, right. That's right. They, he was that he was mixed, taken to Europe. Right, and he, they were mixed in with beast-like creature, beast-like. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I know what you're getting at. Is um, that? Do you believe in what story? So I'll say this: sounds incredible to you because I have seen a work by Todd that talks about the European. Mm -hmm. being created in the Yucatan mm -hmm. and then us taking them to what's known as England today which Taj will say used to be called Albion or Alberta or something mm -hmm. like that because of, because that climate was was more suitable mm -hmm. for them instead of being grafted on the island of Patmos is what the Supreme Wisdom yes. says yes. so I'll say this We don't really know where he was grafted at, but we know that it was done. Mm. And we know that 
so-called white man is not original. So by what means did he come into existence? I don't have the specifics on that. Mm -hmm. But we just know that he's not original man. Mm -hmm. uh, we know he's inherently wicked, like the mm -hmm. Supreme Wisdom says, and you can see it by what he's doing all over this planet. Mm -hmm. he's, he's destroying the planet, and he's trying to get off the planet, which is why they're sending satellites and and craft the Mars and Venus because they want to go other places and do their damage. Man. Mm -hmm. And his end is near, by the way. So the Todd story is interesting. Um, I would probably go with what was taught by the messenger and Master Far Muhammad. I probably would. I love Todd. But I think if I had to lean towards something, I would say that they were made near kind of where they come from, right? Which is the Caucasus and um, Circassia up there. So Patmos is in the Aegean Sea. So, so it's already Europe, the Mediterranean and whatnot. So I would go with more with what the messenger and master Fart Muhammad says versus them being made in the Yucatan because then who took them across the Atlantic? By what means? And then how, like, how was that done with them being in captivity? So I'm not saying that it's that it's unfathomable, but I would go with with more with what the messenger said that they were made where their home base is at, where the climate is suitable for them at, which is in Europe or or Europa. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the uh, lesson says. So, okay. yeah. Shouts to Taj, by the way, but <laughs> yeah, shouts to Grand Sheik. Um, uh, let's dive in a little bit more on the Moors. Uh, mm -hmm. Who are you close with in, in the community? Who, who do you have a relationship with? Who do you not have a relationship with? Uh, I've seen you on a few platforms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I thought they were very interesting. Some uh, conscious Asiatic Moors platforms. Mm -hmm. So who are you close with? Truly. You? Truly. So I think I have a good rapport with the Murakush Society. Okay. Right? Which is two brothers. Uh, Mansa Shyam and the brother El Amir. Uh, right? So one's from Trenton, the other's from Brooklyn, NYC. Right? New York City. Mm-hmm. So I built up a rapport with them, and I think our relationship is based on the fact that we're both progressives. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like we're about progression. We wanna, we wanna get to the bag. You see what I'm saying? We wanna make more science, or just a Moorish demo. Period. Mainstream. Mm -hmm. And we're about solutions. They're about solutions. I'm about solutions. They're really big on solutions. Like if you look at their body of work. And you see what they're doing. They're about fixing problems. And I like that about them. But they're progressive too. Like they have a clothing line. Mm -hmm. They're filming a documentary right now. Um, they are helping brothers with status correction. Like real status correction. Not just filing some documents. Like they figured out a way to get your race changed. To get, the, to get a court order to take to the agencies. The Department of Vital Statistics. Uh, the Department of Motor Vehicles, like they figured out a way where you get a court order saying your name is now this or your appellation, whatever brothers want to call it, 
and then this is what your race is. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to give up the goods on that because they're selling um, literature that guides people through. So I don't want to spoil the apple cart, so to speak, for them on that. But but they're doing that. They even have music artists down with them. You already know I'm a music artist, mm-hmm. right? So I do music and I do um, online shows where I'm speaking on things and what the remedy is. And then I also had a shirt line uh, a long time ago and I was calling it, I was calling it a Lodeo title. Mm. See what I'm saying? Mm. And their clothing line mm. is called, uh, it's called Ron Marcel. You see what I'm saying? So we're doing some of the same things and they're just, they're just, their mindset is not, is not stuck on religious dogma. Mm. It's stuck on problem solving, uh, living a good life. Mm-hmm. You see, power refinement, mm-hmm. um, uh, food, food, clothing, and shelter, right? Mm-hmm. Add on. The finer things in life, love, peace, happiness, take unto thyself a wife, these things. Mm-hmm. And I think with the more science temple, with the average rank and file member and guys in leadership, it's just that religious dogma, that, that spookism, mm-hmm. that um, that just belief mm-hmm. and, and struggle and mm-hmm. being, being in poverty. And the prophet ain't saying to be that. He said to live your best life. He told the Moors to look their best. Mm-hmm. He told the Moors to be industrious. Mm-hmm. He said it takes finances to uplift the nation. When you look up, uh, when you look back into who the prophet was, the prophet Noah Ali had a driver. Wow. So, so he was getting a bag. Wow. You know what I mean? You know who had drivers then? Like real guys. So when you see the that. Fords and all them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you see that, you know that this is about living a good life. And, and the America society is, is about that. And that's what I'm about. Going out, having fun. Everything doesn't have to be predicated on the prophet. You ain't in the temple. Moors don't do this. Moors don't use profanity. Moors don't go out. Mm-hmm. Man, mm-hmm. live your life. Mm-hmm. Your nationality don't change. Yeah. Uh, based on what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater, but their logic is that you ain't a moor if you ain't being a choir person. You know what I mean? Is John Gotti less Italian than somebody that's a surgeon? No. Your nationality is your nationality. But the way they act, oh, that ain't Moorish. Shut up. So, um, so Murakush is more along the lines of where I'm headed at. Like, I want to live good. Mm -hmm. I want the finer things in life. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to be spooked out, Mm -hmm. pointing the finger and, Mm -hmm. and that. So I get along with them. Uh, we uh, we've built up a good rapport myself and them. Yeah. Um. I've had uh, like I've had good relations with. Uh, there was a brother where I'm at. His name is James King Eel, mm-hmm. and he was the one that uh, that assisted me with the foul debate as far as the background mm-hmm. and the whole camera setup. So mm-hmm. I built up a good rapport with him. He has something called called a vibe 609 mm-hmm. and I wish that could have worked better mm-hmm. but I but it didn't go all the way and I don't really know why I'm not sure if if he was just 
boggled down with a bunch of other different things that he was right. doing at the, right. all at once. Right. And then we had technical difficulties when, when him and I was trying to record shows. But him and I built yeah. up a, a, a decent rapport uh, locally where I am. And then the mores that I'm not so um, fond of is, uh, and there's quite a few, you say, um, like we'll get into the whole Abdullah Bay story. I'm not sure if I have time. Mm-hmm. You know, but but I was running around with him mm-hmm. for some years and we, and we built up a good rapport. And then I just suffered an injury, mm-hmm. um, you know, at his hand. And, uh, and without getting into specifics, maybe I'll mm-hmm. do a whole nother demo on it yeah. where I could really go into detail. So I'm going to keep it brief. Yeah. Being that time is of the essence. But um, you find that a lot of these YouTube personalities, they're not what you think that they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, right, and right, sadly, right. Mm. a lot of these guys, like him in particular, they ain't the message that they bring. Mm-hmm. And it's just beyond me that you can that you can have all this information, but then it don't show in who you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You you're supposed to be that glow. Mm-hmm. When people see you, they're supposed to see your body of work in you. When they talking with you, how you demonstrate your reputation. Mm-hmm. But when you meet these guys, you're like, is this is the guy, or this is the sister that you know, dirtbag. You see what I'm saying? So, and that's just the reality of it. And I have to keep it honest. Yeah. See what I'm saying? I don't want to go too much into negativity, but. Right. But, uh, but a lot of these guys, or some of these guys rather, are a big disappointment. Yeah. And I'll go into the whole Abdullah Bay story in detail at a later time. But, uh, yeah, so, so he's one that I'm not so fond of. Um, like, for example, Taj has a tendency to have a lot of dirt bags around him. And I think that prevents me from being around the elder. I love the elder. Right. But some of the characters that he has around him, not good brothers. And sometimes you could be around and you could just feel the negative vibration. Mm. You could you could mm. feel the evil in the room. Mm. You see, like recently, Taj with this guy Shalimar Bay or Shalemar Bay, however he, he wants to pronounce his name. Turns out he was a whole agent. Mm. And then there was another brother around Taj called himself True Fali. I'm finding out. He's selling packages to people. Mm. So it's like, Taj, why do you keep having these types around? So, mm-hmm. you see, so these are some of the ones that I'm not really oh, that fond of, brother, man. And, um, and it happens. You see what I'm saying? It happens like that. That duality is going to exist. Mm-hmm. It's going to be negative, positives, up, down, left, right, night, day. People you like, those you don't like. You get it, right, brother? Facts, facts, facts. And, so, and that's so, um, and just like you said. I remember you was on a uh, conscious Asiatic Moore uh, platform, beautiful dialogue. You know, we ain't got to go too much into it, we already know. Um, and you were saying that, I remember you were saying a quote, you said that the good and evil is going to, that duality is going to exist. Facts. You know, wherever you go. And I just thought that was a very intriguing thing. That was real interesting because that's a factual thing, statement. Because a lot of people believe that, oh, well, you know, someone like me, who when I first came in, 
whether it was FOI or uh, NST of A, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you automatically believe that a lot of individuals are good, you know, mm-hmm. or they have good character, good outstanding character. But when you're on the outside looking in, you can be deceived very quickly. Facts. Uh, and when you see that, when you're on the inside looking out, it's not really the best. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't really look too good when you're on the inside. Let's just put it like that. But I just want to talk further about are there more moors that are upstanding than there are dirty moors? Mm, because a, right, because a lot of people believe that dirty moors are just people who driving without a driver's license. But you can also be dirty with your uh, your character. Mm-hmm. You see? Yes. Go ahead. That's powerful, brother. That's mm-hmm. powerful. Powerful question. Great question. Are there more dirty moors than there are upright moors? Well, I'm going to say this. The dirty moors have been in the movement a long time, brother. Mm-hmm. And they're not a new phenomenon. And we see that with during, during the prophet's time, he had issues with these types, mm. these with these kind of spirits. They put his furniture out on the curb. Mm. See what I'm saying? They, they, the prophet had issues with one by the name of Claude Green Bay, who was the business manager. Mm. Thought, he, thought he was better than the prophet, thought he could do more than the prophet. Didn't want to give up. He didn't want to kick the finance up. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I don't, in so many words, he told the prophet when the prophet came for the count up, you see what I'm saying? It's like, yo, you got to kick up. His words, I'm not paraphrasing, was I don't owe you nothing. Mm. And he tried to um he tried to press the prophet. He mm. tried to to um hold out. Mm. And his attitude was what you gonna do about it. Mm. So these evil ones have been in the movement a long time. Mm. Even the prophet himself dealt with it. This is it's it's this particular situation that got him locked up. Mm. Because he had issues with the business manager, Claude Green Bay, issues with um, James Lomax Bay who was in solidarity with Claude Green Bay and um, the prophet sanctioned their punishment got somebody to take care of it and this is and this is what caused some of the things that you've seen later on the prophet being arrested him dying some days later so I'm just saying all of that to say the dirty moors have been around a long time and do I think there's more dirty moors than upright moors, or vice versa? I think it's more dirty moors. <laughs> I really do think so. Wow. Like I think wow. upright brothers right. in this movement come few and far between, mm. and you see it in the works. Mm. You see it how, like I mentioned, the brother Michael Curry ill telling me what not to do, but then don't have a contingency plan. Mm. How we navigating together, and you don't got an alternative. That's like. You and I navigating the ship, mm-hmm. and we're steering true north, and then there's a, a rock right in front of us, mm-hmm. or an island, mm-hmm. and I'm asking you, well, what's the alternative course? And you don't have one. Mm-hmm. So you know what's going to happen? We're going to shipwreck. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that when you look at the demo, that's a lot of these guys, mm. sadly. And the prophet dealt with it. Mm. And the same ones that was against him then mm. is against him now. Not mm. in the literal sense, but against mm -hmm. the progression of the movement. Mm. Why, why is it that the Mormons have this, this worship house, which, which, which is bigger than City Hall, on the Vine Street Expressway, and Moore's is still holding church in a house <laughs> called it a temple? Wow. Mm. So that says a lot about the leadership then. And the Moorish Science Temple been around almost 100 years. Yeah. The Mormons been around longer. Yeah. But my point is that, like, where are we at on that tip? Have you been in that place on the Vine Street Expressway? Have you seen it? No, it's, I it's, it, it, it is huge. No, I wow. It's huge. So when I see that and when I remember what the prophet wrote in his literature about, about ones mm. wanting to take over the movement and mm -hmm. being at odds with him, then I think Claude Green Bay was mad at the prophet over a woman. So, and you got mm. brothers today mad at you over a woman. Mm. Like I was talking with a sister on the internet and you know who was in the way? Uh, Taharka Bay was in the way. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, man. So these same evil spirits is around, good brother. And um, yeah, wow. And not that I'm perfect, man, because yeah. I have a lower self. I have shortcomings. I have right. vices. Right. But I'm not out here willfully trying to subject right. uh, my kin. Yeah. To bad treatment. Treatment. And, mm. and you got more doing that. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. That's 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 a real heavy piece right there. Yeah. Uh because uh just like I said, a lot of you know, a lot of people have holier than thou spirits about them. And I just thought it was the Christian community, uh, but come to find out it's in all the various religious Thanks. and uh so called black conscious community movements mm -hmm. um i want to talk about and, and and this is you know i want to talk further a little bit about uh next year from a uh a doom day perspective <laughs> yeah i would love to see you uh personally specifically perform i knew you was gonna say that <laughs> you know um you know, I, we see uh, the likes of KRS One, uh, and that was a great performance that he did. Right. I think that was a Doom Day. Was that two years ago? Three yeah, years ago? we were there. Yeah, we was at that one. Yeah, yeah. but we didn't stay because we didn't stay to see the performance like that. No, we, we didn't. There, but, but he did. Go ahead. You could hear it. Yeah, it was a dope. Yeah, thing. yeah, it was. It was. Mm -hmm. It was. That thing was packed too. Packed. Um, they had Brand Newbie in there. Uh, I mm -hmm. actually did security for them one time. A brand Nubian. Yeah. Brand Nubian? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. How was that? Was that right? Uh, yeah. This girl, this uh, woman, uh, sister took a, took Lord Jamal's hat off his head. <laughs> and she started bobbing her head up and down. And he was rapping. He went like, <laughs> he's like, give me much back. Yeah, I'm not so, sure. Yeah, but he's an MC, uh, Grand Pooper and all them guys. Yeah, Grand Pooba, Lord Jamar, and Sadat X. Yeah, they had the likes of Dougie Fresh there. So, I mean, I would love to see you someday perform at a so-called black festival, so-called African festival, uh, 
conscious, I'm going to say like this, conscious Asiatic, I would like to see you perform at a conscious Asiatic festival like that. And uh, I, I mean, I would love to see that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it, actually. I think that would be great. You know, I think it could be great. Yeah. And I think it could be something good for the Moors. Because, again, yeah. back to what I was saying. Yeah. The Moore Science Temple has been around almost 100 years, right? It was organized in the year 1925. Mm -hmm. We're going on 2021. Mm -hmm. So we're going on 96 years, almost 100 years. Where are the Moors in popular culture? See what I'm saying? And I want to change that. Like, that's always been my thing. So I'm like, I got to do something about it. I can't do something about everything as far as popular culture is concerned, but I could do something about this rap thing. That's my thing. But where are we? And mainstream media, music, mm -hmm. movies, mm -hmm. and it's it's not by chance that mm -hmm. that we don't have a presence there. It's by design, mm -hmm. and it's it's the whole thing is being stagnated, or we're being held back by those on the inside and those on the outside. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Because you got to remember, the devils take over a movement from within. Mm. you got more power on the inside than you do from the outside looking mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. so your your officers in in the various temples and the various grand bodies are right. the sellouts mm. and when Todd says that that ain't no fairy tale that's real <laughs> Todd just calls it COINTELPRO but certain ones say oh COINTELPRO been over and that's valid but when Todd says COINTELPRO we know what he's talking about mm. the agents the sellouts agent provocateurs Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's why you just don't see Moors mm -hmm. mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. They want to keep it hidden or they want to mm -hmm. keep it like a secret. And then yeah. I think, too, yeah. a lot of people get turned off yeah. because of how much opposition it is. Everybody can't handle it. See? So it takes a special kind of person yeah. to walk this walk because I've been through some things, you know. Yeah, absolutely. See what I'm saying? Like, I went to a city council meeting somewhere, I'm not going to say where, and just just getting upstairs, they was giving me so many problems and, mm. uh, and because I had this light on. Mm. And a lot of people don't want to deal with that. Right. So they say, man, I, man, I like, man, I like it. I like the demo. I love the lessons, but man, you mean to tell me I can't eat? Mm. So, mm. see what I'm saying? Like, try going on a job interview. Mm. You know where I'm going with it. Yeah. There's actually, right, that's true, absolutely. And just like you, you was telling me, sometimes you, there's, you, people give you trouble, problems, and sometimes, you know, they don't give you problems. Sometimes they, they're with you, you know, with the feds. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're, they're not against you. Um, but there is one more, and I want to mention his name, that is in popular culture, and we know who that is. He's interviewed the likes of, we mentioned him before, we just mentioned oh. him actually, uh, he interviewed the likes of Karis One and certain rap uh, rappers and entertainers. Um, Nick Cannon? Not Nick Cannon. We know that he's in the light. Yeah, he well, I'll just him. mention his name. Go ahead. <laughs> Sabir Beck. Oh, Sabir. All right. All yeah. right. You know what? I, I totally overlooked Sabir. And I would say Sabir Bay is or was in popular culture because he was in Hidden Colors. So that's a fact. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't like 
and this is not Sabir Bay's fault. Mm-hmm. So I'm not putting this on Sabir. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that that Sabir Bay had the smallest part in the uh, Hayden Colors. I didn't like that. I I think they should have demonstrated equality. They should have gave each person who had a segment equal amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like you had Umar, Dr. Umar on there. You had Dr. Francis Crestwalsen. I'm talking about the first one. You had Sabir. And who's the other brother that was talking? Uh, hmm. I forget his name. Booker T. Coleman. Booker T. Coleman. His name now, he goes by Professor Cabo. All right. So it's on him. And I also kind of felt like, in which Dr. Umar mentioned this, I kind of felt like a, a lot of what Sabir had to say, which I know it was way more footage than that, was cut. And then uh, the brother stole it. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Tariq uh, Nasheed. Right, yeah, right. I think he stole it. Right. So you are right. I totally overlooked Sabir and apologies because he, he, that, that hidden colors, I was like, wow, the Moors is in popular culture. And not only that, I think Sabir Bay did a really good job with that documentary on the prophet. What is it called? Uh, uh, prophet of the people. Prophet of the people. Right, he right, did a right, really right. good job right. on that. Like, I watched Most that definitely right. every so often. The yeah. music was dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had the Michael Jackson uh yeah. um for the intro. Yeah. What's the name of the song? Um What's the name of the Michael Jackson song? It's a song from when Michael Jackson was young. I don't I, I don't I'm not sure. I know it's how it goes. The, yeah. It's from the seventies. I mean, like I think not, that music uh, yeah. you know, I think that was perfect yeah. setup. Yeah. Um and I think Sabir has a good taste for music because the music throughout the whole th- that Prophet of the People documentary was really on point. It was. It was. And I was actually surprised, not because of Sabir, but usually a lot of documentaries be it be the same old stuff, not new information, mm-hmm. and sometimes they be corny. Mm-hmm. But Sabir Bay did a good job, and I think see they be hating on more so tough, but I think mm-hmm. that Sabir should have got. Some kind of distribution or some major backing behind that. Absolutely. So that it could have been like, like in a theater or or, like, or like on DVD yeah, 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 or yeah. on PBS because that was really yeah. dope. And yeah. I already know that he didn't get the support that he deserved for yeah. that. Yeah. You know I mean, you know, but shout out Sabir. Sabir. Yeah. Sabir put some work in, man. Yeah, he does. He definitely mm-hmm. does. He definitely does. Um, yeah. Great, great producer. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows what he's doing when it comes to the documentaries. Um, I never forget mm-hmm. when I had got that Prophet of the People. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a brother uh, by the name of Kaber Hadas, and he's uh, actually he's in the, the, the conscious movement and stuff like that. I got the name of the song. It's by Michael Jackson. It's called One More Step. Oh. That's the name of the song that he used as the theme song for the Prophet of the People documentary. It's called One More Step. I gotta, I gotta hear that. I gotta go back. I gotta hear that. Yeah. I know he had Diana Ross on there too, right? Di- um, he had, uh, they had a Diana, they had a, uh, a song by the Supremes. So, yeah. I think, let me see. Is that song by Michael Jackson, that one more step? Yeah, that's by Michael Jackson. Yeah. It's dope. And it's a sleeper song too. Yeah. Like, when you hear it, you're like, damn, who's that? Then you look it up, and you're like, oh, that's Mike from the yeah. 70s. Really? From, like, 77, you know what I mean? That's a young Mike. That's a young Mike. Yeah. That's Mike before yeah. all of the surgeries, you yeah. know? So he gave me the DVD, 
Mm-hmm. He's at RBG. You know, he's garbage mm-hmm. to the fullest. And this is the guy you're talking about? Yeah. And he said, man, I got something on the moors. I was at the truck. I was working for him. I was at the truck. I used to work at a produce truck. And then he, he, I said, all right. So he gave it to me. I checked it out. I loved it. It was dope. I, I love it. I actually still have it. The DVD, mm-hmm. actually, but I don't really watch it too much because everything is via YouTube, facts, and internet mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I enjoyed it, and I think the Hidden Colors demo inspired a lot of people, especially uh, Siberia, in my opinion, to make uh, uh, what the is profit that? of the people? No, yeah. Not that one. Oh, Siberia did another one. Uh. Damn, that can't, I can't come up. It's not coming off my head right now. Mm-hmm. It escapes me. Uh, you want to know why I think Sabir Bay went off and did Profit of the People and did his own? Because I think he realized he wasn't getting a fair shake with ones like yeah. Tariq Nasheed. Yeah. If Profit of the People came <laughs> out after that, Hidden Colors. That came out I think that was before. That you sure? Yeah, I believe that came out before. I got to do my research. I believe that right. came out before. But I'm talking about Dark, oh, Dark, uh, what is the name of that? I'm talking about something that he did, because yeah. I'm mistaken, not Prophet of the People, but I'm talking about something that he did with Taj that was styled like Hidden Colors, after Hidden Colors. And he did that because he didn't get a fair shake with Tariq Nasheed. Oh, right. Meaning <laughs> like the, like his segment was the smallest. It's called The Darkness, Dark something. Yeah, I don't know. Get the name of that thing. But you could tell that Tyreek yeah. Nasheed edited Sabir Bay out of the joint. And I already know yeah, yeah, yeah. if Sabir Bay is yeah. sitting down with you, yeah. he he talking for more than 10 minutes, 10 brother. Minutes, yeah. He giving you whole, yeah. se- whole segments and you yeah. cutting it out and, and you stealing it. Yeah. And Dr. Umar told us that he do that. Yeah. Yeah. And not to throw Tyreek Nasheed under the bus, yeah. but I got to explain why. Yeah. Why? See, this is all relative to why Moors ain't yeah. ain't out there in popular culture like right. that. Because we be getting we be getting a raw deal. Yeah. Out of darkness, that's the name of it. All right, and that's by Sabir. That's by Sabir. He I mean, got, got uh, volume one and two. Yeah. Oh, I think I've seen that. And yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's the I one think, that's that style like Hidden Colors. Different exactly. people talking. Exactly. I think he was inspired segment. by the Hidden Colors. You see what I'm saying? What it was to was he that. knew. Go ahead. I think he wanted to do his own version because, like I mentioned, he wasn't getting a fair shake uh, with Tariq Nasheed. And he's another more hater, so to speak. And um, sadly, it's a lot of these guys out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but shout out Sabir. Sabir definitely put some work in with that prophet of the people. After I seen that, I'm like, he don't need to do nothing else. He solidified in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And just Moors don't be getting the backing because I already know it's probably plenty of Moors that have these ideas and they don't be getting the support. The opposition is tough. Like uh, like when I went on the um, like the sister of Cherokee Diaz, right? When I yeah. <laughs> did some business with her and got her to share my album on her uh, Instagram. You know who was hating? The Masonic Brothers. That's who was hating. The one, the only negative comment on there, I went to the comment, seen who it was, and I seen his page, and it say, it say IF something. So that's International uh, Freemasons. So that's who we hating. 
You see what I'm saying? Mm. You see what I'm saying? So that's who be hating, uh, uh, Almighty. Mm. Sadly. Yeah. So, you know? Hey, let me see. Yeah, I'm going to show you. So you can see. Let me see how many views. Where is it at? Oh, it's over 3,000. And that's the mark I hit before. I think I topped out at like 35. So that's about right. So I'm going to show you. This brother right here. Wavy head roster. See, he laughing. And when you go to the page, look what it say. Brooklyn, New York. IFMG. So that's International Freemasons. I don't know what and what. You know what I mean? So that's who be hating, man. It be them, man. I'm keeping it 100. Now, that don't mean that you don't have some that's in solidarity with us because you got some brothers that's in the lodge and in the MST of A, which I disagree with that. But you got some that's, that's, um, that's with us, but it's a lot of opposition. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you, a lot of times when I go places, yeah. you can tell who's who, yeah. because you, you you can feel the energy. And yeah. some Eastern Star sisters be hating too. <laughs> you know what I mean, they be hating too. So mm -hmm. yeah, and that's mm -hmm. because, like, I'm gonna tell you, man, and the gods teach this. Mm -hmm. The nations of gods and earth, they really harp on the whole. Um. How the 85 is the poison animal eaters, right? Don't know the origins in the world. Easily led in the wrong direction. Hard to be led in the right. And then they talk about the 10%, which is who? The rich slave makers of the poor. Yeah. That teach the poor lies. And that the true and living God is a spook in the sky that can't yeah. be seen with the physical eye. Yeah. And that the 5% is the poor righteous teachers. So in saying that, what I'm saying is, yeah. is a lot of masons and eastern stars are 10 percenters. You know what I mean? They are, they are the, um, the rich slave makers of the poor. Mm -hmm. And then some brothers that's God will tell you that they don't even think that Masons is 10%. Some will say that, that they think that they're 85. Mm. And I think that it's a good portion that's 85, but, but Masons are 10%, beloved. Mm. They, mm. they are the ones that are the watchers. Mm -hmm. They get special privileges. You know, mm -hmm. they do stuff on the sly, and they infiltrate all of the groups. You already know where I'm going with. Yeah, you. I know what you mean. Yeah, so, absolutely. So that's, so that's usually who be hating, like, yeah. like on the internet and yeah. out in the public. It be them, and that's their mentality that I'm superior to you. And you see, I got secrets. I got stuff that you don't know. And don't and don't do this. Don't you better not do that. This is their attitude. Fact. You know what I mean? I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. That's a fact right there. I mean, yeah. I've had me. Well, I they never really uh, approached me, but mm -hmm. I've had people give me that look, like facts. You know, and these are brothers. Facts. You know, so it's not just like you see. It's not always the European. It ain't always the European, man. Sometimes it's more it's brothers. It's more brothers than that. Like yeah. As far as my experiences go, it's been more brothers than than Europeans. And this be my thing with them. 
how can you claim to be raised mm-hmm. and don't even know your nationality? You call yourself a slave mark, but you've been raised. When the slave tag deludes to your previous condition of servitude, black according to science means death. Right. It's Facts. death. So Facts. how you been raised when you still did mm-hmm. st- status-wise? Yeah. Facts. And then a Freemason or a which is equivalent to a free man yeah. or 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 a free builder, a free maker, or a free nation builder yeah. is someone that doesn't call himself by a mark that deludes to his previous condition of servitude. So you ain't even a free man based on how you see yourself. Facts. But then you're saying you are a Freemason? Facts. But don't have a free national name? Mm. Stop playing with me. That's how mm. I be coming at them. So, mm. they just Masons as far as being a part of a club. Yeah. But their mentality, they ain't Freemasons for real, for real. Because they're not free men and women. They don't even think like free, uh, free men and women. You see what I'm saying? A lot of them are steeped in religion. Yeah, they are. They they don't want to hear difference of opinion as far as politics is concerned. Like when you, like it's a sister that I know. Well, I ain't gonna go there. But my point is that being free is a mindset. Yeah, it's how you demonstrate. It's yeah. not just you wearing a symbol or you saying you're something. Yeah. It's a whole demo. Yeah. And the true free peoples are those that's that's living life like it. Mm. But if you call yourself a mark that deludes to your previous condition of servitude, and you say you're a Freemason, the two don't even mix. Yeah. How you a Negro and a Freemason? <laughs> it just don't even go, it just don't go together. Yeah. No, it doesn't. You gotta be free. Yeah. And this is and this is what Noble Jolly brought. That's why he told him to put that down. Yeah. We done with that. I'm really gonna raise you. <laughs> and Hiram, who's the dead man in the Masonic degrees, is the mm. so-called Negroes of America. Mm. Don't know his origins in the world. Again, mm. easily led in the wrong direction, hard to be led in the right. He done been knocked in his goddamn head, laid in a mm. shallow grave. In the north is what the lessons say, but here we gonna say the west. west right, and right. the west is where the sun set. Right. The Facts. rise of sun is in the east, right? right? So you already know where we can go with Facts. it, but Facts. Yeah, man. But that's who be bothering with us, so that's supreme wisdom right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. that yeah, and um I could I used to live with a mason actually. Mm-hmm. Uh how was that, man? How was he, uh, man? Actually, he was very polite to me and friendly. Mm-hmm. Um right. When I mentioned one time about Noble Drew Ali and the Moors, he kind of like shut me real quick. He shut me down a little bit. Not shut me down as far as like verbally, but just mm-hmm. he, he skipped to another the facts, that's them. conversation. He didn't want to dive into it, yeah. you know. Uh, so it was actually, you know, he, but he, otherwise than that, he was pretty, pretty cool, yeah. pretty decent. You know? And that's because they know Noble Drew Ali removed the veil, like he said. Noble Drew Ali said... I came to remove the veil off all secret organizations. Right, right. Giving up them keys. Right. So. Yeah. And I when mean, he when he went to his meetings, he's wear all black. He's wear all black who's suit. That, who's that? Him? Yeah, with a fez. Yeah. Who? Oh, um, the Mason yeah. brother. Yeah. Brother. What kind of fez? What color fez? Uh, it was maroon. Really? He probably was an international Mason. Yeah, black suit. 
Black shoes. Now he wasn't a Shriner. He was a Mason. He was a Mason. Yeah. International International Masons were the Fez. And um, traditional Blue House Masons like Scottish Rite, Prince mm -hmm. Hall, they don't wear a Fez. Right, right, right. Okay. Until they get to the honorary degrees, like I mentioned. Okay. So yeah, man. So so a lot of information, man. Uh, we coming to the end of this joint. Uh, so in closing, man, you know, what do we got? So uh, so what do we say? What do we want to uh, say? In closing, I just want to say, um, going forward, uh, what is the, you know, and I, I think I asked you this before, but uh, what's the, uh, what are you doing forward? Like as far as with the community, community mm -hmm. uh, are you doing any works? Um and uh, are you making more music? Absolutely, I definitely do intend to do and create more music, more Moorish music for the people, all right? Definitely, I think I have about 10 albums in me, all right? And we're currently doing album number three. And as you guys already know, because I've mentioned this on numerous occasions um, during this conversation that I have my sophomore album up on iTunes, that was released on September the 4th of this year, September the 4th, 2020, which was a Friday, if I'm not mistaken, which was a holy day, right? right? Friday is a holy day, all right? And uh, yeah, so the name of the project is called Jewel of the West Nile. Artist is, is, is Frederick Jones Ill, all right? So you can go to iTunes and pick that up. Go to iTunes, all streaming platforms rather, all right? So just go to Google, type in Frederick Jones Ill, Jewel of the West Nile, or just Frederick Jones Ill, iTunes, and you'll be uh, guided to it, all right? So go and support. We do a lot of hard work. Uh, it's very tedious, a very tedious process, and we ain't just throwing anything up there. We are really, really uh, working. We're really, really toiling, like the prophet would say, and be happy to toil, right? Which is in the Holy Quran of the Moor Science Temple of America, Circle 7, divinely prepared by the noble prophet Drew Ali. It's about that toil, and that's what we're doing currently. That's what we've been doing, and this is what we're going to continue to do in the future. All right. Um, so now, so back to what I was speaking on initially. So we're currently working on album number three, which is titled Occultus Solus Invictus. All right, which means the hidden sun is invincible, or the hidden soul, or the hidden light within you is invincible, untouchable, undefeatable. All right, time never was when man was not. All right, there was never a time when the spirit man, because that's who man really is, was not. All right, time never was. This thing has always been and always will be, if you really know. All right, so the inner you, that inner light can't be touched. It's invincible. All right, but you got to know it. So this is the reasoning behind the title of the current project that I'm working on right now, right? Now, more of the things that I want to do in the near future, or rather the things that I want to do in the near future, now that I got the music out of the way, is I want to start a nonprofit where uh, we do things like uh, assist in, in finding or searching for missing children. I think that's important. I think that's a major key because the babies are the future. And when our babies are in harm's way or they get harmed, our response should be swift. And we should be out there preventing 
or rather um, making sure that their well-being is is intact and preventing them from going into harm's way or from getting harmed. All right. So, so this is one thing that I would like to do. I also want to do clothing drives, coat drives, and canned good drives. I think I would like to do those things in the future, even though I know um, I can't save the world with these things, but I would like to do my part where I am. All right, put my bid in. And yeah, and that's just what I'm interested in, assisting the poor, helping the weak, assisting the needy and the less fortunate and just raising the vibration through music, through interviews, through lectures, and through uh, my acts, just how I live, being the message that I bring, being the embodiment of these truths and not being the block of wood that points the way, all right? Not being just a Negro with some information, being the embodiment of what was brought and taught by the illustrious Prophet Noble Drew Ali, all right? And may Allah be pleased with him and the work that he brought. All right? Which his contribution can't be ignored. With only four years on the scene and his and all that he was able to accomplish is, uh, is saying something, definitely. All right? So, yeah. Um, so, that's pretty much it. Just, uh, I want the people to go and get my sophomore release called Jewel of the West Nile, artist Frederick jones Ill. I'm working on album number three called Occultus Solus Invictus, again, all right, Occultus Solus Invictus. And again, I'm gonna be um, establishing something where we look for missing children, do coat drives, clothing drives, and canned good drives. Oh, and domestic abuse. I can't believe I forgot that. So we're going to be combating domestic abuse. And I was working, or rather, I think I was intending to do some work in that field with a sister by the name of Natalie Purdy out of the Commonwealth of Virginia. So uh, we're still looking to do that. We're still looking to connect and to link and see uh, where we could be of assistance as far as that is concerned, all right? So, so yeah, so that's it. That's pretty much it. And that's where we are as far as what we want to do in the near future. And uh, with that, I yield the floor and be on the lookout for conversations with Frederick jones Ill part two for the things that we left out, all right? Uh, just real briefly in part two, we'll be getting more into personal relationships with Moore's all right, whether negative uh, or positive, because that duality does exist, all right, with everything. Nothing is all good, nothing's all bad, so we're going to get more into that. And we're, we're going to get more into who I am, where I came from, how I came into the teachings, um, ETC, who my elders were, and, and how I actually found the prophet, all right? So with that being said, uh, I yield back, I yield the floor, and one love.